With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. Today's guest, Laura Morgan Roberts. But Roberts isn't just a poet. She's also a professor of management at the University of Virginia's Darden School of Business and studies diversity in organizations, particularly how African-Americans experience the workplace. In some ways, it seems like these issues are more top of mind for business leaders than they ever have been before. Global companies have major initiatives to recruit and develop people of color, and organizations of all sizes claim to want more inclusivity in their senior ranks. All the research shows that diversity improves team performance, decision-making, and innovation. But while black people make up 12% of the U.S. workforce, they account for only 8% of managers and only 2% of Fortune 500 senior executives. And there are only three African-American Fortune 500 CEOs, down from a peak of 12 in 2002. Roberts wants companies to start walking their talk. And that means more frank discussions about race in the workplace. It means understanding the challenges that people of color still face. And it means really pushing for advancement. To help that cause, she has co-edited the new book, Race, Work, and Leadership, New Perspectives on the Black Experience. Laura, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Your book includes reams of research. What were the findings that most stood out for you in reflecting the Black experience in the workplace today? We found that looking across the data, when we looked at the relative experiences through a comparative lens, we found that disparities continue to persist in terms of career advancement, career outcomes, as well as career satisfaction. This reality of continued disparity was sobering. But it also became a launching point for us to ask 
what we feel is the central question of the age, which is how do we gain traction around developing and advancing more inclusive organizations? How do we move beyond spinning our wheels with the same policies, practices, PR campaigns around diversity and inclusion and really begin to gain some traction? Is the problem that for companies it is more of a PR move than a meaningful effort or are the intentions really good and the implementation not working? Our data leads us to conclude that both may be at play. Mm. We have critical analyses of diversity programs and policies that indicate that over time, these programs have focused less and less on race, shown that leaders are less comfortable with having public and explicit conversations around how to develop and advance employees from differing racial backgrounds. Uh, Much of the civil rights movement had focused on social justice, but it also focused on economic justice. And race was a very central aspect of that conversation. Most corporations today have some public statement about their commitment to diversity and inclusion. And they have probably have a brand campaign as well that invites authenticity and invites employees to bring all of their differences to work. These broad brush programs are not addressing the needs, the current needs or the longstanding disparities that African-American employees have faced in, in organizations. We also found, though, that many employees of color have experienced overt and implicit racism in the form of contested authority. So when they are trying to exercise leadership, they're receiving a lot of pushback where their credibility is being challenged and questioned, uh, where they're feeling the need to temper or dial it down so that they don't come across as being too powerful or too, quote-unquote, threatening to other individuals who are not comfortable with the ways in which they might practice leadership. Yeah, I would say that one of the central themes in the book is the idea that African-American employees, managers, executives don't feel like they can be as authentic in the workplace and don't feel as supported in the workplace. That's right. The authenticity theme was very salient among the African-Americans in a variety of industries. They may be a tenured professor. They may be an instructional coach. They may be a practicing physician. They may be a partner in a financial services firm or in a law firm. And even with that position of power, they feel as though in order to be effective, They have to make some compromises or trade-offs. So you talked about broad brush programs being perhaps part of the problem. You know, we're grouping all minorities together and including women, too. Why should organizations specifically focus on advancing African-Americans? There are a few reasons that it's important for us to do this. First and foremost, we would argue that race 
is and has been a central engine of the U.S. economy for centuries. And so for us to truly understand how to create more generative, humanistic, and sustainable management practices, we must confront and reconcile the dynamics around exploitation and dehumanization that emerged from the legacy of forced labor. And African-Americans, unfortunately, are still dealing with the legacy of exclusion, marginalization, oppression, and exploitation. So for today's CEOs to take an intense and sustained focus on race and the African-American experience, they are signaling that they have the courage to take a close and honest look at how their organizations are promoting employee engagement and flourishing and how deep their commitment may be to actualizing human potential for everyone in the organization. It's easy for us to look at someone who reminds us of our younger self and tap them for the next level leadership role or position. But can you look at someone who comes from a background that has been marginalized, disadvantaged, stereotyped negatively, and identify the structures that have made it more difficult for that individual to advance to leadership? Do you think that current racial tensions are factoring into how people are thinking about this in organizations? Absolutely. Organizations are open systems. That means that the boundaries between your front door of your office building and the sidewalk outside are permeable. What goes out also comes in. And as we bring our whole and full selves and experiences into the organization, we are also having to grapple with these wicked problems and challenges that society is facing around racial inequality, around religion, uh, just the social class disparities between the CEO salary and the frontline worker salary and the cleaning staff or janitorial staff's salary. You know, all of these different ways that our society reflects conflict and inequality are replicated in many organizations. The lack of representation that we see in the most senior ranks, why does that matter so much? I guess another way to ask that question is, you know, what do, what do black senior executives have to offer? I mean, I could answer that in two ways. In one way, I would say the same thing that everyone else has to offer. So therefore, the case or the argument must be made for why they aren't worthy or they haven't been represented in these positions. Because, you know, when you peel back the skin and you look at the core capabilities, you have the same representation of strengths and weaknesses around many of the different skills that are required to lead an organization effectively. And indeed, probably because of all the challenges and biases 
one has to overcome greater strengths. That would be the second factor for us to consider is what else these leaders have developed as a function of their experience. And what we find in race, work and leadership are stories of agency, persistence, resilience, collective mobilization, ingenuity, thinking outside of the box, learning how to make things happen, the ability to build relationships across difference by being sensitive to other stakeholders' needs and interests and not assuming by default that what you desire as a CEO is the same thing that your stakeholders will desire. Mm. Dean Erica James and Dean Lynn Perry Wooten have uh, conducted research on black CEOs who take on glass cliff assignments of crisis leadership. And they find that black CEOs have a higher proclivity toward these glass cliff assignments. Now, perhaps that's because like Barack Obama, the moment at which things are starting to unravel is the moment at which people, the masses become more open Mm -hmm. and willing to support um, diverse leaders. But another argument for that is African-Americans have become more accustomed to taking on risks. Yeah. Is there a danger, though, in that, that black leaders are also being set up to fail, you know, when they're given that challenging assignment? This is a very real risk. This is the same risk that African-Americans have carried through their experiences of beating the odds in so many other aspects of their life. Um, post-emancipation, through Jim Crow, through integrating schools. Every time an African-American leader took one of those steps, they were... Risking failure. Risking failure. Yeah. It was a big bet. So the question for them became, well, what is my other option? Right. Playing it safe was not an option that they were willing to live with. The question becomes, how do we put in place the structures, the systems, and the social support that will enable African-Americans and others of different racial backgrounds, including whites, to be able to lead most effectively? Context of white supremacy, including whites. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, September 13, 2019. So I have been told, I think this is a full moon Friday, the 13th, unless I am uh, mistaken. Saw that report earlier today. It is a little overcast here in Seattle. Summer ended weeks ago here, but uh Once it gets dark, I will peep outside and see if it is indeed full moon. This is our weekly broadcast, Neutralizing Workplace Racism. Man, that there clip, as soon as I saw it, I was so excited. That has happened, um, I think that's at least the second time that that's happened this year. That opening segment, that is from the Harvard Business Review podcast. Yes, that Harvard. Massachusetts, the Harvard University, our former president, Barack Obama, his alma mater, 
the Harvard Business Review. I've played a few clips from there, but that's the second time that I've played a clip where they were flagrantly addressing racism, white supremacy, and both times I felt so much better about our efforts here at the Cows and this segment specifically, Neutralizing Workplace Racism, that the Harvard Business Review podcast, you can take the segments that they've done dealing with racism in the workplace, contrast that to the context of white supremacy, neutralizing workplace racism, and I think we offer much more accurate information and much more practical strategies for dealing with racism, white supremacy in the workplace. Again, that was from the Harvard Business Review, not some tacky spinoff on YouTube or somebody sitting in their basis, the Harvard Business Review. And the guest for that segment was a victim of racism, uh, Laura Morgan Ingram. Uh, I was even more uh, compelled uh, or intrigued about the segment uh, because the victim who was doing the speaking, uh, she is a professor at the Darden School of Business at the University of Virginia. That is my uh, alma mater. Uh, and why? I mean, I remember so many of my classmates, like they wanted to go to business school and for they maybe could have taken one of her classes. I don't know. Uh, Laura Ingram Morgan. Make sure I get her name correct. Uh, Laura Morgan In uh, Roberts. Sorry, Laura Morgan Roberts. Get the name correct. But just listening to what was presented, there was a lot of substituting, not saying racism, white supremacy, but saying race. There was a lot of positioning what has happened to black people as past tense, legacy of slavery, legacy of exploitation, marginalization, all of those terms that I uh, discourage uh, non-white people from using. If we're going to talk about this issue, in, in my view, all of those terms uh, obfuscate. I, I posted today that a white man, this is in the New York Times, that a white man, uh, he was arrested he had white supremacy paraphernalia. He had weapons, a large arsenal uh, of weapons. And it seemed uh, that he was trying to orchestrate some sort of scheme to get his uh, former girlfriend fired by accusing her of being a racist. More details on that tomorrow. But in the report, they described this white man and how he was allegedly abusing his white ex-girlfriend. They said he was terrorizing her. And I said, wow, terrorizing. I didn't hear terrorizing in the report from uh, the University of Virginia's Darden School of Business professor, Laura Morgan Roberts. I didn't hear her say that black people are subjected to terrorism in the workplace and have been for years. Goes all the way back to the terrorism and torture of the slave plantations like University of Virginia founder. What Dr. Wells and fondling father, Thomas Jefferson, rapist. That's what I mean about being accurate uh, about things using correct terms, uh, not race, not a legacy of marginalization, whatever that means, but an ongoing. This is continuing. This is why black people may make up 12 percent of the workforce, which seems like an underrepresentation, but they only make up 8 percent of the management, 2 percent of the Fortune uh, 500 CEOs. That is not legacy. That is ongoing abuse and mistreatment of black people. I mean, you can even take uh, the little cliche study that they reference all the time that someone who has a black sounding name. Is less likely to get 
an interview uh, or called in for a job, uh, as opposed to if you have a white sounding name. They acknowledge that openly uh, for years, I think more than a decade. Why not even reference that? That's not legacy. That's ongoing mistreatment of black people. Even in this segment, it was almost obligatory. We want to promote a work environment where our ignorances about race can be addressed. I have no idea what that means, but that's one of those that sounds like the sort of rhetoric that suggests that white people are ignorant about racism, and that's why they continue to mistreat black and non-white people. That is not the case at all. Every time that is a total misrepresentation uh, of truth, uh, every time, especially if it's a white person, they're deliberately practicing racism. That's just my conclusion. This is not about white people being ignorant, and I would not want a work environment that is promoting dialogue about racism that I mean unless that's what my job is if I'm working at the post office I have a regular nine to find nine to five office we do software we do computer apps whatever it is maybe I have a, a government job racism is nowhere included in my job description that's not what we do, I am not interested in promoting a work environment where we talk about race and encourage others uh, to be open about their ignorance about race. I do not want to be mistreated. Period. How do we get to that? Let's fast forward everything. No mistreatment. We're not going to practice racism. And then if we really want to be advanced, what are things that we're going to do to compensate for the way that we practiced white supremacy all these years anyway? Getting in more non-white people and that sort of thing. That's it. Not let's, you know, have an environment where we can talk about O.J. Simpson and ask questions. And that's totally tacky. That does not address the problem at all. Uh, It was interesting. They said the uh, the white I think it was a white person at the Harvard Business Review doing the interviewing. Uh, And so she asks uh, Professor uh, Laura Morgan Roberts, she asks her, do you think the current racial tensions are impacting What's happening in the workplace? Current racial tensions. We are in an ongoing system of white terrorism. What about the current racial tensions when they had that nigger in the White House that I mentioned previously, Harvard alum? What about the current racial tensions for all 10 years of that? That was a full decade before uh, Donald Trump got in office. What about that? What about what was happening in uh, the 60s? Pick any time period. What about that? What about the 1990s? We had Bill Clinton in office and everybody was mad at that nigga O.J. Simpson uh, for getting off. What about those current racial tensions? What Rewind just four years or two years. You had the so-called rioting in Los Angeles after Rodney King. What about that? You always have, quote unquote, racial tensions because you always have a system of racism, white supremacy, at least in the last few uh, centuries or so. Uh, They said... I'd never heard the metaphor. I've heard the metaphor used before about the glass ceiling, right? My understanding of that metaphor uh, is that glass is supposed to be uh, transparent so that you can still see there's nothing blocking your vision as though you can advance in the workplace, but you're still being stopped. You're not getting promoted. You're not getting the raises. The data that she mentioned about the lack of black people in management and what have you. Widespread. That's glass ceiling. Now, glass cliff. And uh, at least from my hearing it, they didn't really uh, explain. Oh, this is the metaphor glass cliff. Maybe some of you all haven't heard this one as much. But from what was said in the report, to me, glass cliff seems like exactly what they I'm going to just use what she said, setting black people up for failure. 
where you get an alleged promotion or you get some sort of new assignment. But this is a risky assignment. That's what they call it. This sounds like something where you have been set up for catastrophic failure. Uh, Glass cliff to me implies, oh, yeah, you can see that this is shaky. This is not stable. This looks like something where I am in danger uh, from this position, using that word intentionally, like in danger in this position. And they mentioned, again, our former president, Barack Obama. They had the so-called financial crisis. Then we'll put this nigger in the office. He can be blamed and take all the heat for all this financial tension uh, that will have to hold down for the next few years and budget crisis every other day, shutdowns and such. You can blame him for that. Putting black people in these positions, we talk about that all the time. I don't use that metaphor. Glass cliff. Again, this is the technology that you get to describe terrorism in the workplace at the Harvard, excuse me, at the Darden School of Business at the University of Virginia and presumably at the University of Harvard, too, because this is their uh, podcast that we got this from. Uh, But I think that's important, even though I wouldn't use Glass Cliff. I think that's important because we talk about that. That seems to be common, as common as not hiring someone who has a quote unquote black sounding name uh, deliberately placing black people in positions where they will fail, uh, where we know they're going to have problems. It was designed to have problems. It might be obvious that, oh, my God, you're taking it. Looks like the company is about to go bankrupt. Anyway, we're going to promote new president, Jamal. Yes, he'll be our new uh, president. And uh, we'll see how long Jamal keeps the job. Get your resume updated, everybody. But that was Harvard Business Review. I shared it online. Every time I hear them talk directly about racism, white supremacy, my, my, I guess, views about workplace racism and the constructive content we hope to be delivering with this skyrocket, uh, feeling that we're doing a substantially better job than some of the other platforms, what they are offering. I could be in error. Uh, The email for folks, uh, or let me give out the number and everything. I was so excited I didn't even do that yet. Uh, To call in yesterday, I had difficulties uh, dialing in. I had to use the Mexico line. Today, I was able to dial in uh, normally. The number to dial, 605-313-5164. The code, 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. That number again, 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. If you are not able not interested in dialing in, uh, but you have contributions. Uh, either you have a situation that you would like uh, counter racist perspective, uh, or if you have contributions, uh, you have some possible strategies that might fit some of the situations being presented. Uh, you can drop an email until justice at gmail.com and we can read your commentary uh, on the air. Uh, we can keep it anonymous. If you have concerns about your privacy and that sort of thing, I do think that is interesting. We did have a listener. Kizzy's cousin, uh, she wrote in and she uh, had said before uh, that she had suspicions that her white co-workers may be listening in to workplace racism to hear what she has to say. I think she says it's been at least a couple times 
uh, where it's happened more than once, where one of her suspected racist colleagues uh, said something that would suggest they may have been tuning in, not to the Harvard Business Review podcast, but to the cows, workplace racism, to hear what is being said. So uh, if other folks think that their uh, co-workers might be listening in. That is good to share. And consistently, as I've said, no secrets in the system of racism, white supremacy. So bear that in mind all the time. Uh, that said, a few things before we get to the callers. Uh, I always appreciate updates. Man, it's so important. Uh, people uh, who take the time to call in uh, and or write in or both uh, to, to share with us uh, some of the difficulties you may be facing on the job or some of your observations from the workplace. Or even sometimes people have, have done things that worked out well where they were able to neutralize racist acts on the job. Always appreciated the updates uh, in my view. That just adds to our understanding because we get to see, uh, well, they do X, Y, Z practice racism or whatever it is, you go back and make adjustments attempting to address that, we get to hear, are we, you know, using logic and trying to evaluate these situations? If it's a question to ask or a suggestion about policy and procedure, does that work out? You know, did it help ameliorate the problem? Did it make things worse? Just being able to get those updates, it, it in my view, it helps us further refine our code, understanding of racism, and we get to see how they respond uh, to Non-typical behavior, probably, if we're giving out counter-racist suggestions, how do they respond to that in the workplace? Uh, does that stop the behavior? Is that no big deal? Were they prepared for that? That wasn't a surprise. Always helpful. So I'm always grateful uh, when folks write in and, and share with us how things have evolved. Uh, in that vein, we had a black mom. Uh, she wrote in uh, some weeks back uh, talking about uh, attempting to uh, do some pumping. She's breastfeeding her child, uh, who is almost two, I believe. Uh, and she's doing her milking, pumping at work uh, so that she can take care of her offspring when she gets back home. Bravo. Super commendable. Uh, they actually have a lactation room on her plantation, right? Most places don't even have that. They have a lactation room. They allowed her to use it for a period of time. But according to FMLA law, Family Medical Leave Act, according to the laws it's written, uh, they are only legally bound to provide one year of space for pumping. After that, they don't have a legal ob obligation. But they have a lactation room here. They've given her the code, allowed her to use it. Her year passes. They come up to her recently. Up, oh, been breastfeeding for a year. Can't be in the lactation room anymore. And they changed the code on it. There was a, a number pad that she punched to be able to access the room. Change the code up and don't give her the new code. She goes to HR and they tell her, you know, oh, yeah, you, you did your year. You're still doing all that. You know, go out in the car and do your pumping. So we talked about that. I was so grateful uh, that she presented that situation because I'm not a parent. I'm not a mother. Uh, and so that's something that I just, you know, would not have thought of. I would have totally uh, neglected that aspect of how you deal with counter-racism in the workplace. Uh, I spoke with Mr. Fuller last week about that. Uh, he recommended get that in writing uh, anytime uh, that a white person in a work scenario is uh, denying you constructive information or constructive uh, resources. And they're stating that this is a matter uh, of policy and procedure as to why you're being denied 
uh, these resources or denied this request, if they verbally are telling you this, request that in writing. And you can even add, I will need this uh, in writing in order to verify uh, that this is uh, constitutionally legal. Uh, or you can put, you know, whatever kind of uh, verbiage that you want. Uh, that this is in accordance with the United States Constitution, however you want to phrase it, uh, but throw that Constitution uh, aspect in there uh, as to the why you need this in writing. And he said, most white people, they know there is a difference between you just, you know, out there rambling off at the mouth and blah, 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 and whoa, I am writing down that company policy and procedure is you go out in your car and do your pumping, that that is very different uh, in a system of racism, white supremacy. Mr. Fuller's recommendation, producejustice.com if you need a word guide or a book. Our mom gave us an update. She heard uh, some of the discussions that we've been having about this issue, including what Mr. Fuller had to offer last week. She writes in, she says, uh, I I'm grateful for the suggestions I did receive. I'm currently on break now. The woman from HR, I suspect a white woman, uh, that told me to pump in my car had given me a number to someone else in uh, human resources who is over her, more powerful, I presume. I decided not to call, but to email so that I could have a record of our conversation. I emailed her about two weeks ago explaining everything and let her know that I was told to pump in my car. To no surprise, she hasn't responded. I will be taking Mr. Fuller's advice. I just brought his book, ProduceJustice.com. Within the last week and a half, a co-worker told me that my supervisor had discussed my work schedule and personal information uh, with her. For what reason, I'm still unsure. I'm just pausing right here. Uh, that's why I said uh, expect uh, expect to be under surveillance. There is no expectation of privacy uh, and expect just assume that that sort of thing is happening. Uh, if you are black, I've mentioned uh, so many different uh, instances about me personally, uh, just going to practice yoga. I'm not even working at the studio. I just go in and take a class or so. Uh, and white people that I don't even know, don't kick it with, don't hang out with. Said, oh, my gosh, we were just talking about you. This is happening all the time. White people are not ignorant about white supremacy, racism. They pay a lot of attention to their negras. Continuing. <clears throat> so they've been talking about her. Then my car keys went missing. No one seems to know what happened to them. They were in a specific area. I don't understand how they just disappeared. I know for sure it's time that I find a new job. I just found out that my husband and I are expecting a new baby. Congratulations. I'm sure the uh, terrorism will increase once the folks on the job find out. This will be my last pregnancy. I plan to enjoy it. Absolutely. I will not go through it here. I live in my place of employment is the corporate headquarters of a very popular gas station chain in the Midwest. Uh, if anyone has any uh, job ideas for stay-at-home mothers and or resume tips, that would be great. I'm considering enrolling into classes soon. Spectacular. Congratulations uh, to you and your husband on the new baby. Uh, no closer than two years apart. Dr. Welsing did say that. Although, I think they will be in the building. I think by the time the uh, child gets here, they'll be fine. Dr. Welsing did say no closer than two years apart. Um, I think 
the most important sentence uh, in the email. Uh, she said, make sure I go back to get it. I know for sure it's time that I find a new job. Most important sentence in the email. Uh, I think uh, when just being able to recognize uh, the signals, uh, that's something that I've talked about on this broadcast for some time. Recognizing, regardless of which plantation I'm on, regardless of how well I'm compensated, white supremacy racism is going to be there in some way, shape, form. That being a given for the time being, this might not be the best plantation for me. I maybe can find a better plantation. I'm still going to be mistreated in some way, shape, form, but it will not be as bad as this situation. Very important to recognize that I think frequently in the system of white supremacy, we end up in just horrendous uh, situations uh, where we could be in a better environment. We could improve our situation, but for a lot of reasons, uh, we don't. And we just end up staying in this type of these type of toxic environments way too long, uh, particularly if you uh, being pregnant. That nine month interval, that is, you know, probably one of the most uh, significant and sensitive times uh, in a female's life uh, to be in a work situation that is that toxic and that disrespectful uh, of you as a mother uh, where you have a lack. It's not like we don't have space for this. It's not like we're talking about we're working at Wendy's or something. You have a lactation room and we're just not going to let you use it. And everything else now, the key hiding. Uh, I have recommended uh, for years, even before we had workplace racism, as an individual broadcast, uh, not having any kind of personal items uh, on your desk, anywhere, you know, that you would leave, filing cabinet, anything like that. No personal items, no pictures, no candy bowl, no nothing. Uh, if you are going to have like any personal items, uh, your keys, your phone, anything like that, I would keep that on my person at all times. Uh, if you don't want to keep those items, if you are wearing something where you don't have pockets uh, and you don't want to keep those items uh, in your wardrobe all day uh, for females, if you have a purse, I would put that in your purse and I would have my purse with me at all times. I would never leave my purse. Even if I was going to the restroom for five minutes, I would not leave my purse unattended uh, for males. Uh, I would keep, I think most males, you would generally have something on with pockets. I would keep those type of, of small personal items, keys, wallet in your uh, pockets. I would not leave that at your desk area at all, ever for any reason. Uh, I guess if you didn't want to do it, if you do the briefcase route, but it would have to be the same thing that you can't. And if you have a briefcase, anybody, you have a briefcase, you have a laptop bag, anything like that, uh, where you have maybe files that you have to transport to and from work or a computer or something of that uh, nature. I would not have anything personal in that bag. The only thing that they would find, uh, whatever forms or what have you, I would need for the job. If it's a, a company issued uh, computer device of some sort that would be there and it would only be work information. I would not have any personal information on there at all. That's all they would have. Uh, and just be really because I've heard too many illustrations of this and I've been a victim of this myself. Uh, I cannot stress that enough. Uh, when you're in the workplace, white people are not ignorant about racism primarily because they spent a whole lot of time snooping on the Negroes they work with. 
I've heard this from people where they go, even uh, simple things you couldn't believe. Uh, I got a new book. I'm reading The Hate You Give. I got it in my backpack on the job and they come snooping for what you reading? Niggas reading. Mm -mm, gotta go through that. Not food items, not books, not keys, not wallet, nothing personal. Assume everything that is in your work area is going to be rifled through every day. The trash, everything. If you ate a pack of yogurt, we're going to see what flavor it was, what kind of. You're under super surveillance in the workplace. Grasp that and adjust behavior accordingly. We did have a different uh, mother who was working on exactly what was talked about at the end of this email in terms of resources for black people, stay at home moms or just black people who, for whatever reason, uh, are looking to be able be, be able to be at home more so that they can minimize some of that contact on the job with racists directly. Uh, that is always helpful. So if people have made progress in finding things that are available, I think there have been a few different uh, job sites mentioned before that might be helpful uh in addition to as i said we had at least one listener who was trying to going to work on compiling a list of resources that are in that direction uh that is always helpful uh especially again if you're pregnant that is a super sensitive time i would definitely want to make sure i was in a work environment that is uh supportive uh, of that pregnancy you do not want to be somewhere where you're going to be stressed out and and all that goes directly to the baby and just can be a really unhealthful situation so and that's why you want to plan in advance with those pregnancies everybody can already be evaluating now we both work in jobs right now we have to come home and decompress for an hour and are having to go through battles Every day and, you know, even to get time off, because sometimes you might have to do a doctor check, uh, midwife check, anything uh, during that nine month period. Is it going to be a problem to get time off work? Is that going to be something that's going to cause additional stress? Do we maybe need to switch jobs and get in a better situation so that it won't be uh, all of this? We can be in a situation where we can get that time to go see the doctor if need be and that sort of thing. That's something to process in it. Lots to think about bringing the child into the world in the system of white supremacy. Uh, so that's one. Uh, we have other emails. Uh, I'm just going to share one more report because I saw this today and it was exactly uh, what we have been talking about. I shared it. This is in the New York Post. Uh, mom scores $255,000 settlement after being fired for demanding private pump room. Uh, this is uh, Tabitha Tyndale, black female. Uh, it reads a Staten Island nurse who sued her former employer for refusing to provide her with a private space to pump breast milk and then firing her for complaining will get a $255,000 payout court record show. Uh, Tyndale, 30, reached the agreement with extended managed long-term care on September 5. I do think it's important. She worked as a nurse. She worked for a health care provider. A health care provider is this course? This discourteous to a black nurse who works for them about getting a lactation room. It's not like she was asking for a bonus, you know, two weeks of paid vacation. Just I'm a nurse working as a healthcare practitioner for you. I can't get private space to breastfeed my child. Continuing. Tyndale sued the home health care company earlier this year, uh, alleging unlawful employment practices and a violation of her civil rights. The Constitution, Mr. Fuller brought that up. After starting her job in March 2018, she immediately encountered difficulty finding a private place to pump milk for her 10-month-old son. She was working out of the company's Staten Island satellite office where the suit says she was forced to express milk at her desk 
or in an open cubicle or in the bathroom. In an interview with the Post, she said, I was pumping at my desk. There are men and women there and absolutely no privacy. Her colleagues, she said, openly mocked her with one referring to her as a milk cow. She experienced mental anguish, embarrassment, and humiliation having to express milk in a room full of people trying to work the filings allege. They say that she was complaining about this. Again, I say that word complaint. Uh, I recommend not using its report that I'm being denied access to the lactation room, denied access to an important life-giving resource so that I can nurse nourish my child super important so I said we should be talking about this making sure we have a code I'm sure we'll have other listeners uh, who will perhaps have a child at some point lots to consider in addition to how much you share at work if you're going to breastfeed that can end up being a major problem in the workplace lots to consider number again is 605-313 five one six four the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate i'll get to the other emails uh as we go uh if you have your own situation uh and or if you have any uh suggestions on working from home or thoughts on what our pregnant mom has been dealing with uh star six one we will get you on the line here think that was for retired firefighter fire truck just uh drove by let's see hello guys oh uh, i heard both of you uh let's see we'll get uh, I-, I can wait i think that was draftomania she may have or i'm not sure if that was draftomania I, she can go ahead because it's probably more i was more workplace racism so she can go ahead because she may have some um something to say about what you were just speaking of this is the bay area mom so oh oh all right that's our bay area mother she just stated much obliged ma'am uh i reckon uh be in oh. toronto yes thank you thank you draftomania and thank you guests uh, greetings to you callers and listeners um so yes in terms of the um the mum with the update, uh, what I would also encourage her to do is to um, look into the policies and procedures around um, privacy uh, and confidentiality um, because for her supervisor to be speaking to another coworker about her situation um, is inappropriate and I'm sure it's a breach of, of confidentiality. Um, uh, at most, it, it should not uh, go beyond HR, or at least it should be contained between supervisor, um, HR, and the employee. Uh, so um, this could, with what the supervisor has done, can um, in fact uh, create or even um, maintain a toxic work environment as a result, depending on what the uh, supervisor, uh, what types of information she's relaying about um, uh, the mom uh, who was requesting uh, t- uh, entrance into the lactation room. Um, 
the other thing that I wanted to uh, mention is in terms of um, a possible idea for um, uh, home is um, consider children's books. Um, maybe that might be um, something to look into. Um, uh, in particular, uh, geared towards black children. Um, there's not enough of books geared towards black children um, in, in how to handle day-to-day -day, uh, life, um, going to school, being with friends, uh, maintaining a positive self-image, things of that nature. Um, those types of books are, are not um, as readily available, um, at least here in Canada. I'm not quite sure about the state, um, but maybe something to consider as well. Uh, in terms of um, uh, that interesting uh, podcast from Harvard University, um, in collaboration with uh, the professor from University of uh, Virginia, um, that was really interesting. Uh, while I had um, the phone on mute, um, I was saying out loud, what in the world is this type of interview? I, like, how could one take it so seriously? One cannot take it seriously. Um, it, it was just, it was just pretty much the same type of, of interview where, you know, they'll, they'll make it seem as if they're taking the point serious about racism in the workplace and they're, they're not. Um, the main thing about, uh, why black people um, not enough black people are in management is because simply enough, a lot of white corporations don't want them in management. Um, for example, when my mom, uh, she's now retired, but uh, when she was a nurse, uh, what would happen is um, oftentimes they would have, they, the management would ask black nurses to, um, you know, take on assignments as charged nurse or in other avenues of in management. And those black nurses that did decide to take on um, management positions only ended up staying there for a year and then they were let go. So in fact, it, what was done is it was used as a deterrent. Um, if there was a, a, any black nurse who decided that they wanted to take on the position of management were actually penalized by only staying there for a short time and being fired or let go for some other reason. Um, and, and then after there would be that narrative, oh, well, you know, black nurses just can't really handle it, um, which, which also kind of um, segues into my workplace uh, racism situation, even currently at work. What I've, what I've come to find with these patterns, what they do is ultimately to undermine um, uh, the work performance of black people. So, you know, and it has, even though it impacts black people greatly um, and, and, you know, to uh, and impacts in a, such a toxic way, it, it creates such a dis-ease, um, what happens is that uh, whites in all areas of, of activity um, create narratives and they create narratives and then they create situations to um, to prove or as evidence for their narratives. So if, there, if there's not enough managers 
It's um, they're not hiring, deliberately creating these situations, setting up for failure, and then turning around and saying, well, see, we knew that black people couldn't handle it. Or, oh, you know, um, look at these uh, neighborhoods. Um, forget the fact that they're not paying black people the wages that they need to, to, to pay in order to live a comfortable living, in order to create um, intergenerational wealth. Forget that. They just turn around and say, oh, you see, black people can't handle their money. So they, they deliberately create these narratives and then create situations to, to, um, to justify um, in their twisted, perverse, toxic minds as to why black people cannot live uh, within the white uh, supremacist society. And it's even, it just gives me even more energy as to why we need to fight this system with the people who are running the system, um, fight against them to destroy it. Um, any means necessary that's needed. Um, using policies, using whatever codes that are needed because we just can't live like this. So thank you, and I leave the line. Much obliged, uh, be in Toronto. Always check the policy and procedure. Absolutely, especially the, uh, I was going to say snitching, but that's not snitching, the unjust networking that was happening uh, with our mom who gave us the written report that we uh, started off with. And uh, I felt the same way in terms of, are we supposed to take this seriously and how this is being discussed the report from the Harvard Business Review. Uh, incidentally, I even I took time uh, to even look at that metaphor because I'd never heard it before. Glass cliff and the definitions that I found explaining the term. They read the glass cliff is the phenomenon of women should have white women in leadership roles such as executives in the corporate world and female white female political election candidates being likelier than men to achieve leadership roles during periods of crisis or downturn when the chance of failure is highest. And most, I think the first three, four, five articles that have popped up, they don't mention non-white people at all. This is a term that is, uh, it seems like is most often applied to uh, women, white women exclusively. Don't know how in the Harvard Business Review podcast that it became applied to non-white people, black people specifically, because that's what the report was titled. Uh, Bay Area Mom, thank you for your patience. Uh, if you wanted to proceed, feel free. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, can I do one on the school place in, instead? Oh yeah, school year just uh, school year just started. I think I had said uh, last week or or recently that hey, we got a new academic year, and that is the workplace for the students. And you will probably have to use some of the same techniques in terms of going to talk to officials and all that. So absolutely. Thank you. This is not for me, um, and it's not for my son either. He's going to do his own. I have a little, a friend um, a friend who has a daughter. She's fifteen. Um. This is the same one who had to move her children out of the um, Mountain House School District because uh, it's in California by Tracy because of um, school place racism. So um, now her daughter's 15 and she goes to a Catholic school um, in California. 
So it's, she's on a scholarship, and um, it's, uh, I don't know the makeup, but it's more Asian than anything. So um, she uh, is having the issues with the children there. Um, they don't, um, I guess the ones that are, she's coming from an African-based school as well. So the ones that are there um, from the African school as well, um, it's only maybe one or two, and they've kind of conformed. So um, a little boy stepped on her foot at school. Prior to stepping on her foot, he's Caucasian. They were having a they were talking about something in they were talking about something in Africa. I think they were saying Niger. So he's instead he wants to nigger, no the nigger, and he just keeps doing that. So she's getting offended. She's the only black person in this class as well. And um, then when he stepped on her foot, she got she started feeling a particular way and reported it. So um, he kept saying, just kept saying these um, nigger and just kept saying it on and on and on, on top of that throughout the week. So she reported it. He, um, they, they, uh, she sent it to a, a a black teacher there, but she didn't touch it. She forwarded to a Caucasian um, was anti-sexual lady. So, um, of course, she, she's going to advocate for everybody because she knows everything because of her position um, of being um, anti-sexual. So um, she's saying, well, you know, uh, we're going to talk to him, and, you know, we're going to see if she'll accept his apology. So she didn't accept his apology. She said she didn't want his apology. So... Then they were asking, well, what do you want us to do? Because if you don't want to take his apology, that, that's too bad because that's all we do. What, do you, what more do you want? So um, I don't know what more. She, we, didn't get, we didn't get to what more she wanted or what she wanted with that. But moving forward, now the teacher, the instructors, I guess her religious uh, um, teacher, I guess they have the Catholic, whatever, the, the, the Catholic teacher, the, the priest, yeah. <laughs> the priest, um, he's saying, um, you know, well, Ku Klux Klan, um, that's a religion. And so now she's texting her mom getting offended. I was like, well, technically it is. So um, then she records it back, well, it is. And then um, another instructor had stated he doesn't like anything black. I hate everything black. And so he kept stating that as well um, throughout the week. So now, last week, she sees the principal in the hallway, and the principal is just giving her this, 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 mean, this mean, abrasive look, and then good mind, and that kind of thing. So now she's intimidated in the school. So I told her mom I was going to share the story this week because um, she wants to move to another school, but her mother was stating that you're going to experience this. I mean, you're going to go through the system is the system, so you'll go through it everywhere. But what I was telling her mother was, if she remove there because she's um, a little insubordinate and doesn't want to follow uh, whatever their protocol is for how they practice racism against us and other non-whites, she's deemed as a troublemaker now. Prior to that, last year. Her and another um, black student were, um, I think she's from the same African school, they were selling vape print pens to the uh, students, uh, uh, 
for whatever price. So they're selling vape pens. Now they got caught, of course, because they're, they don't understand that they're being watched. So they got caught. It was easy peasy. And, um, they, she got expelled, but they allowed her to stay. So now with this issue that she's bringing on and you don't want to take the apology and you're still, you won't, you're going to talk to him, but he didn't come to school that day because he's not with any of that. He's wrong. So, I, I was just telling her mother, like I stated, that she needs to send her, put her in another school. And if you have to be a Catholic and it has to be private, I know she's on a scholarship. Maybe see if you can transfer it to another school. And so the uh, principal at the African school that she came from, from junior high, said she knows people at this other school, uh, said he knows people at the other school and the staff, and he could see how they could get her in. But if anyone could uh, had anything to say about that, I will share with her mom as well, but I just wanted to share that with the um, audience. And thank you. It's good talking to you. Much obliged. Much obliged. Thank you so much uh, for sharing. Uh, on behalf of your uh, friend, good hearing from you as well, uh, Bay Area mom. Uh, certainly, if we have, I'm not a parent. Make sure I get that in again. Uh, I am not a parent. That being said, attempting uh, to follow logic, if we have parents, uh, they have thoughts, suggestions on this one, uh, please share. Don't be a spectator. Uh, if you are a parent, don't be a spectator. Uh, but my thoughts, my view following logic, I think it's important that all of us uh, have a code uh, in terms of if a white person calls you a nigger or says nigger, uh, all of us have a code about that uh, that involves uh, not responding emotionally, even if they're calling you a nigger uh, in the situation to not respond emotionally. That's just something that's it's it's so uh, common. Uh, it's such a stale aspect of white supremacy that, you know, you just can't be shocked uh, if that were to, even if that were to happen to you five times this week. You, you really can't be shocked about that. Uh, it would really, really just be more about, you know, what do you think is the best way to respond to that? For some situations, it might be to say nothing. For some situations, uh, you can what should be done with a nigger? That sort of school situation you got a lot of options. That could be one. Let me bust out my trusty recorder. Say that again, Matt. And then you can go and share. Is this allowed under the policy and procedure at said school? You can go to the principal. You can go to the teacher. I always find the most powerful white person you can. If that's the principal, boom, fast forward right there. Uh, Johnny is saying nigger repeatedly in class. Is that acceptable? And if not, what should be done about this to make sure that this stops immediately? That just that way, bang, that could be a great one. Uh, that's lots of options uh, for dealing with that. I guess the main thing would be that is to be expected uh, if you're going to go to the public school system uh, to have lots of incidents like that uh, and to be prepared for that from the white students, the white faculty. I think uh, you said when she began reporting because she was assaulted, he began saying nigger, and then this little race soldier uh, stomped on her or kicked her, whatever it was. She reported that. She didn't want to take the apology, and now it's, ah, uh, you know, you're this ungrateful. You aren't here on a scholarship. You're this ungrateful nigger. He apologized for calling you a nigger, and you don't want to say it. You're just like a nigger. Eh? Just give you nasty looks all day long. Like, we sad we, we brought you here. Like, I would not want to be in that environment. And I, I can see how that would even compound the trauma if I'm in in that environment and so frequently 
Uh, we just talked about that. White people in this system of racism, they take all the resources. So it's easy uh, for them to give you things. It's easy for them to give out, you know, I don't know what it is, but it could be thousands of dollars for those type of schools to put you on a scholarship and bring you here. And so then you feel like, wow, they're so nice. I don't want to, you know, cause any trouble. I don't want to make any problems. I'm just, I'm happy to be here. You know, uh, Thomas has talked about white validation, but you can really be in that way of thinking. Like, I'm just happy to be here. I don't want to cause any trouble and just get through the day. And, oh, well, he said nigger 50 times. I'm just trying to get through. Uh, and then you do report and it's your troublemaker. No, I don't want his apology. What are we going to do to make sure that this does not happen ever again? That's what I'd like. Not, you know, let's sit here and go through the tacky apology ritual and then we hug each other. Some other nonsense. Uh, that would be my thought, I guess, on that. Just to expect that it might be best because it just sounds so uh, toxic. Uh, if you've got staff that are being discourteous and this little race fella, I'm sure, is going to continue. And, and you've got the assault aspect of it, too. It might be best uh, to pick a different environment. Um not, I mean, that probably would involve quite a bit the school year just started. So that would, I'm sure, be kind of a a cumbersome procedure uh, to drop out of that school and then to enroll in a different one. But I mean, it has been done before uh, and around these sort of issues of white supremacy racism. So uh, I would just try and make sure that she's comfortable. But I certainly would not like the prospect of it. September just started. I don't know when the school year ends out there, but if it's May, June of 2020, Wow, that is a long time to be at a school that I hate where I go there and the staff and the students are racist towards me in a really direct and hostile manner. Like, wow, that is a long time. And these are formative years. If you're 14, well, I mean, this is, you know, if you're talking about your future, what do you want to do after college, blah, 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 job, all of that. Like these are supposed to be the years that are really significant and count. And I'm starting off with all of this at the beginning of the year, like yeah, if if I could get a clean start, that might be best, even though that'll probably be a little bit difficult. Uh, do we have any uh, parents uh, who have any thoughts about how you would manage uh, this situation? Uh, 14-year-old uh, daughter, classmate is calling her nigger or saying nigger, uh, at least directed at her, uh, and then kicks her. Uh, she reports this, doesn't take the apology. It seems like the staff is being uh, rude with her and looking at her as a troublemaker. Would you keep her there? Would you enroll her in a different school? What would be your, your recommendation? And, and even how would you, you uh, encourage your offspring to handle the nigger aspect of it? That'd be good, too. Do we have any, any parents who have suggestions, recommendations on this one? Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Draft the mania. Hi. Um, I was, uh, I'm sorry to hear that uh, that young lady is going through that uh, trauma um, at school. And my suggestion would be to try to take her out of it. Like you said, that's too long. Uh, the school year has just begun. And to have to deal with that for the rest of uh, the year is going to be quite traumatizing. So um, I'm I'm sorry to hear that she's going through that. Also, I'm very sorry that the um, young lady um, that's the mom that's having the issue with the breast pumping and just the uh, tacky, trashy 
terroristic uh, behavior that she's having to deal with from her um, uh, racist suspect uh, employees um, by stealing her keys. Um, I'm sorry that she's dealing with that also. Um, hopefully she can get, um, you know, get a better um, environment um, for her to um, uh, be able to uh, uh, care for her um, offspring. And um, congr congratulations on the new birth of her uh, new child. Um, so uh, to get, and also I want to say hi to B. Hi B. Um, well, to get to my um, my situation, um, I had kind of a uh, trying week. Well, one day I had um, it was pretty uh, trying. Um, one of my, uh, as you know, um, the suspects, um, well, the people at my work are um, uh, their victims. So they're uh, non-white, black um, uh, co-workers. So um, I had an incident where uh, one of my um, co-workers who I've had issues with before and I've talked about on this program um, was using um, manipulation tactics um, to basically, he was doing uh, um, what they call a bait and switch. So what it is is that you bait an individual to try to get them to react um, to your behavior to basically get you to respond, um, not respond, but like I said, react in, uh, um, a manner that is going to, um, not be constructive and possibly it's, I would say it's a form of, um, entrapment. So what he did he um, was making statements as if, um, you know, he was working so hard um, and he, he pretended like he was upset and he was mad and he had an attitude. So um, he put on his whole, um, uh, this whole theatrics how he was mad he came into the break room he had an attitude he said that um he shouldn't have to work so hard um you know um and it, that was basically like an implication that um reflecting on me that i'm not doing my part um and so I stayed in a question lane and, and he kept doing this. Like, you know, he kept, you know, acting mad, acting like he had an attitude, acting like, you know, and it was all um, geared towards to get me to um, react. Um, and I knew this, but even knowing it, I, I didn't react and, um, a really negative way, but when people use uh, manipulative tactics like that, and being that I am human and I'm still learning, and because I'm doing like more um, research and study on those types of um, personality types and those types of tactics, so I can better, um, um, I can counter it. Um, it did still affect me. And I found myself, um, you know, kind of playing, kind of taking a bait by um, asking him, well, what's wrong? That was a way of me taking the bait. 
um, uh, then I, um, you know, I kind of like, um, was, uh, I, I, I felt my stomach, um, you know, uh, starting to, um, get, I guess, acid reflux. I felt my, um, feeling unat ease and started feeling a little anxious. Um, I started feeling like, um, the thoughts that was going through my head was like, you know, am I, it, it's all like, um, orchestrated to cause you to have some doubt about yourself. And, um, I did started feeling, um, uh, as if I had some doubts about myself, started questioning my own work performance. So, um, I was going through all of that and I stayed, um, in the question lane. I didn't get into, I, I've been trying, I, I try not to get into any type of, um, um, bickering with, um, victims. Um, so I've gotten, you know, really good with that aspect of it. So, um, what I ended up doing, um, you know, I, I, I did kind of feed into it and say, well, you know, other people, everybody you had, we have work, um, other workers here and everybody had a floor he had to do or what have you. And, you know, he still stormed off like he had an attitude or what have you. So what I ended up doing, I, the next day, I know the same evening, I text my uh, direct director and I told her in the text that I needed to speak to her about some issues on the job because this man is, um, has a habit of sabotaging other employees, especially me. He has this thing with me. Um, like there'll be other workers that he's working with. And like, if he's, if they're helping him out with something or helping him do something, he'll thank them. And, you know, oh, they like, put a text out, okay, thanks for helping me out or whatever. But when it comes down to me, it's never, I'm never um, acknowledged um, for anything that I do. Um, he's always trying to find fault with everything that I do. And he does it with other people, especially me. Like he'll tell me that, um, like when I try to assist him with um, trying to do his job, he'll have an attitude this is the tactic he'll use. He'll have an attitude and act as if I am in the way or um, my help is not needed. And then what he'll do, he'll go back and he'll sabotage and he'll go and tell a supervisor that I'm not helping out. So what I, like I said, I um, uh, set up a, a, a meeting with my director. We had a meeting and I told her all these things that were going on. And honestly, I, I had to say, like, I was, I was hurt, you know, by the situation. And I kind of, you know, got a little emotional, like, you know, uh, you know, I was kind of like, kind of crying, kind of almost crying about the situation. And, um, and, you know, I apologized to my um, director and, you know, I just explained to her what the situation was. And I asked her, you know, if she had any problems, you know, about with my work performance. And I told her, you know, the things that I have been going through with this individual, they know because they always have this issue with this individual. But my thing is, if you know that this individual is like this, why is it that you guys 
still keep this person on this person. You still allow this person to keep terrorizing or keep harassing, if that's for lack of a better word, um, other coworkers, if you know this person is like that. So that's just according to logic. I don't understand that component, but um, I was able to sit down and talk to her and she was like, well, you know, no, your work is, um, you, I have no complaints. You do a very good job. Your supervisor has no complaints about your work. Um, you know, a lot of the things that he says that he's doing, he's not really doing. He's just lying. It's just, I guess, a smoke screen to cover the fact that he's not really doing all that he says that he's doing. But he has this really personal thing towards me. Um, and it's just really being directed at me. So I just wanted to um, address that with my supervisor. And like I said, it's just um, it's stressful, you know, to have to deal with that. But what I just try to do um, is just try to deal with this situ situation with this man um, in the best, um, I guess, most constructive, uh, professional manner as I can. Um, and I think I did the right, um, the most constructive thing by having a meeting with my, um, director to talk about the situation. I'm not sure if anything is going to be done about this individual's, um, behavior. Um, I kind of doubt it, but I know, at least I know that, um, I'm doing what I need to do um, as far as, um, you know, uh, my job is concerned and there's no issues or problem, although this person is, um, you know, uh, putting on all of the theatrics um, to make it seem like I am the problem. Um, and um, that's basically um, all I had to share in regards to uh, workplace racism this week. And thank you so much. Much obliged, uh, Draptomania. Uh, thank you for sharing uh, suggestions uh, for some of the other folks uh, in your own situation. I'm sorry it's been so stressful uh, this week. Uh, and I mean, hey, we are humans. It is emotional uh, sometimes when you feel like you uh, are being mistreated in the workplace, when you are being mistreated in the workplace, uh, and or you're having people that are accusing you uh, indirectly or directly uh, of not doing your work or not working hard enough, being some sort of slacker uh, or just not being valued uh, for the work that you that you do. I mean, for a lot of us, we spend, you know, 40 hours or more uh, on these jobs, even if it's part time. I mean, that's that's a substantial uh, amount of uh, time and energy uh, to be someplace and to have people <clears throat> devaluing your investment of time and energy, like, ah, you know, got these folks around here not doing anything. I got to work so hard because you lazy niggers uh, type of attitude uh, is it is upsetting. It is infuriating. So uh, I definitely it's totally logical, totally understandable uh, to be uh, upset, emotional uh, about that sort of thing. Uh, and sometimes in those situations, uh, the best thing to do is just recognize I'm like, yeah, I am upset. It's been a tough week. I've been dealing with this repeatedly uh, and just try to take a little bit of time you know, to, to compose ourselves. That's why I try and recommend those breathing exercises uh, just because sometimes that's what we need, just a little bit of space, a little bit of time, uh, and then we can go back and, and as best we can try to get our composure, get our words together for how we want to uh, try to address the situation. Uh, I think 
you reminded us uh, repeatedly, you have mostly uh, other victims in your work environment. And those can be very challenging uh, environments for different reasons. Uh, when you just have a lot of other victims and it's not racists who are causing the problem, uh, for some folks, it can be uh, even more upsetting uh, in that type of situation and trying to minimize conflict. So it's it's not arguing and, and squabbling all the time with uh, another black person, uh, another victim of racism. Uh, I think with the, I guess, this non-white person with a reputation for causing problems uh, and and abusing other folks in the workplace, at least verbally uh, abusing other people uh, in the workplace, uh, that might have been one. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, and he might just be surly and he's just going to be a problem regardless. But that may have been one where I might have said, wow, uh, seems like you're you're reporting some difficulties. Is there anything we could do to help? That was Mr. Uh, Williams suggestion uh, when someone is is complaining, you know, this person isn't doing any work and they're messing up or even, you know, I'm feeling, you know, like I'm doing all this work and it's ridiculous. Like what what can we do? to help you out. I'm sure, you know, we got folks here. We're all trying to get, you know, tasks done. Uh, what can be done to help you out and see what the person says. Uh, and that might not work. He might just, you know, continue on his rant. I don't need to have a Okay. No problem. And in that case, it would be minimized contact, but I think going directly to your direct supervisor, uh, and just asking questions. If there are any questions to be asked about your performance, is anything I'm doing incorrect? Uh, in this situation, am I not getting tasks done? She affirms you're doing things correctly. No problem. Alrighty, I would I would just proceed. And if he has a reputation for doing this, this might be someone that yeah, I just can't do a whole lot of responding when they get on these rants and are complaining. And I'm you know worked all hard and this sort of thing. Can't do a whole lot of responding. Uh, and you know I'd probably be monitoring uh, myself. I mean, is my breathing going up? Am I feeling some type of way in my stomach? I might need even take a little bit of space. Uh, if he's going on one of these rants and I see it's impacting me, take some space, give him a few minutes. Maybe he's all done. Then I can come back and we can go back to work. But uh, I've said that for a long time. Uh, working uh, in environments where it's almost exclusively victims or exclusively victims, why and and even that I think you said that apparently this victim has caused a lot of these types of problems has exhibited this unprofessional conduct before and he's still there they don't get rid of him uh, sometimes environments with a lot of non-white people that can just be allowed uh, just hey non-white people are supposed to be in conflict with each other uh, and racists indirectly just allow that no problem we'll just have the the non-white people the black people or whomever they'll just be there and they can argue and squabble squabble bicker with each other and have a really inefficient work environment whoopee all part of the system all by design in my view just following the logic following the evidence uh did we have other folks let me give out the number again 605-313-5164 nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate i'll still ask parents not to be spectators if we have parents and you have suggestions for uh the caller our bay area mom she called in for a friend uh draftomania gave out suggestions uh, if you have suggestions for 14 year old little race soldier classmate 
is saying nigger, assaulted her, kicked her. And then the uh, administrators, the white staff at this school, Catholic school, private school, uh, they are surly with her. She didn't accept his apology and all that. Do you pull her out of the school? Do you keep her there and, and give a code? That is important. Parents should not be spectators uh, with suggestions on that one. Uh, other folks we missed totally. I guess. Uh, Stacy in the UK will do our obligatory uh, timestamp. So let's see. 2.24 a.m. Saturday morning in London. Always great to hear from Stacy. Hello to you, Gus, and to the rest of the callers. It is precisely 2.24. Um, yeah, I just wanted to call in because of the parent issue. I agree with what the earlier suggestion that the child should be removed, uh, especially as she's still quite young. So rather than having to put up with years of mistreatment, especially if the head teacher is being hostile, it's just not worth it. That situation isn't going to get better soon and the impact will be on the child. So I would remove her. I went through a similar situation with my daughter, who was older. I won't go into the situation because I've spoken about it before on the cows, but um, she was quite close to doing her final exams. So it wasn't... Um, I, I made the decision not, not to take her out of school and... Maybe in hindsight I would have, but yeah, and, and it did have an impact because the, t the teachers were wrong. Even though in that situation they were in the wrong, they were Voltron. And um, I think the caller said, that, or the person who wrote in said that they wanted to the child to accept the apology. I think if someone is physically assaulting her, which is what it sounded like, that shouldn't be dealt with as an apology. I would ignore the the nigger comment, but the physical assault is a whole other matter, so I think they may want to challenge that. And then the final thing I want to do is to just congratulate the person who's dealing with the problem with the lactation room on her pregnancy. And just one comment about the fact that her co-worker had passed on the message that the, well, passed on the information that her manager had been speaking about her personal hours, uh, you know, contractual arrangements and other matters. I don't know what their relationship is like with the other worker or co-worker, but it sounds like her manager was indirectly using that person to pass the message on. So I'd just be very careful in any way about getting into too many conversations. Fine, if they relate the information, something may have been said, but I would just be very cautious about what I said back. And I'll meet my line, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be cautious about what you, <coughs> excuse me, say in response uh, in that situation. And uh, I think that's important as well about the uh, Voltron effect in the classroom. 
that just like in the workplace, that's why I say it's pretty much the same environment. Uh, the white teachers, they're going to communicate with each other or white educators. If it's, you know, the secretaries, guidance counselors, all that, they're going to communicate with one another, uh, especially if you're the only uh, black pupil there. They're going to talk amongst themselves. You know, this little ungrateful niggers didn't even want to accept the apology. You know, important to keep that in mind as well. Uh, let's see, before I nab other folks who dialed in, trying to sprinkle in our emails as we go, uh, one of our investors, uh, black female, she wrote in, uh, unfortunately, uh, she's having difficulties, workplace difficulties, she says, for my entire uh, adult life, some problems with elementary school teachers also, I have experience, education, and good references. The phone screening goes well at times. We develop camaraderie, but the moment I walk in the door, everything changes. They are expecting a white woman, primarily, I think, my education, uh, UM, MBA, Master of Health Services Administration. Actually, one interview lasted about five minutes. The look on her face said it all. I've gotten through the white male screeners uh, easily, but the females have an over my dead body attitude in quotes i can only recall ever being interviewed by a black person twice and successfully each time if you've seen the tweets about the white woman cutting locks tweets commentary they are ones i typically encounter any and all tips are greatly appreciated wow uh, i think number one I mentioned that previously when I talked about people with black sounding names not being hired. That's the same type of phenomenon. If you have, I guess, a name that is not white sounding. And so they think, oh, yes, we got a white person, certainly not a nigra. And then you show up and it's, oh, no, we did get a nigra. Oh, we have to make up. An, oh, yeah, you bad penmanship and your suit is wrinkled. Your fingernails are dirty. And yeah, we, we had lots of other highly qualified candidates. Very competitive, very, very close. And uh, I'm sure you're going to do They'll, you know figure out what it is um the hostile white woman interviewer uh, i think we do have other uh black females who have spoken about this and can relate uh in depth to the let me get the quote over my dead body attitude with regards to hiring a black female uh for a position i think we've had so many illustrations uh of racist envy from white women towards black females or non-white females period Particularly if they are younger, if they're still fertile, if they're attractive. Uh, oh, man, well-educated. Seems like you might be a competent person, could come in here and really do some great things, get a promotion, that sort of thing. Ugh. Not getting behind that at all. Uh, in terms of uh, suggestions, uh, I would say just continue. Uh, if you are getting interviews, it seems like you are getting some interviews, you are getting called and are getting uh, resistance from these racist white women in particular. Uh, I would say just continue uh, to do submitting resumes, continue to put your application out. Uh, we've talked about tweaking uh, resumes specifically for companies, but it sounds like you're getting uh, the initial step, at least. You're getting the phone calls, you're getting through that. So, And you have the education, you have the experience, competent, brilliant work. That's what it sounds like. They're just practicing racism. I would just continue to submit uh, resumes, conti uh, continue to submit applications, uh, and hoping that you'll finally be able to get an interview panel that does not have uh, exclusively white women uh, where you'll be able to break through and get a job. But I mean, that is so 
so common uh, with black people. Uh, black females in particular have talked about that, the hostility of white women in the workplace and white women who are in positions to do some hiring. Uh, do we have uh, any suggestions? Black female listener uh, who is reporting that white women specifically, she feels, are blocking her from getting employed. She shows up for interviews. They see she's a black person and she sees the enthusiasm drain right out of them. Uh, and she feels it's the white women particularly who are stopping her advancement. Any suggestions that may help her out? No, this is a tough one, a common one. Yes, um, I have a suggestion for the young lady. Um, my suggestion would be to mainly to stay on code. You know, the, the same energy that you put in to that uh, online interview, just stay with the same energy. And if you're unable to reach that position and attain that position, then it's, it's, it's not meant for you. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that's similar. Yeah, yeah, I go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, yes. Go ahead. And I was just saying because um, you know, I, I usually don't call in the workplace racism. Um you know, my my main uh my main my main mission with the job place is to stay on code. You you have to stay on code because this is the most interaction that you're going to have with people who classify themselves as white in this uh, so-called world. Um, I know you ask often ask for uh, people to call in who do not have problems on the, on the workplace, and I've been very reluctant to call in because I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of fearful that if I do call in, it might jeopardize my position you know, in this workforce, uh, so-called workforce. But, uh, you know, I've, I've been able to um, maneuver in this workforce to, to be gainfully employed, um, not have race soldiers that I know of checking for what time I'm coming in. Um, I can pretty much work from home when I want. Uh, you know, I, I, I move as I please, you know, and I, I think I'm not to say an exception, but just the, the, the moves that I've made through my career have allowed me to, um, be in this position. You understand? Uh, no, uh, if you could, I guess, give us specifics on how you, uh, some of the specific, uh, strategies uh, that you have employed so you could get to this position because uh, that's the way I always stated. I think lots of folks would love that to be able to work from home when they want and can come and go when they come and go as they please. You're compensated well. You don't feel like you're being you know paid a third or a quarter of what your white uh, co-workers counterparts uh, make doing the same type of work if if that's the situation yeah if you could give us some specifics you said you've made specific moves in your career if you could give us some of I guess the 
the key moves that you've made so that you could be in this position. Uh, and I guess I would just repeat the, the caveat you did share. I'm so glad you called in, but you did say, I did have some reticence about dialing in because it might jeopardize things. That right there, <laughs> system of white supremacy. But yes, let's let's hear some of the key Definitely. moves. Definitely. Yes, I'm a long-time listener, um, you know, uh, occasional caller in, you know. But so where I started out, I was working at the uh, at the Pentagon right after the 9-11 um, started, after the 9-11 attacks happened, and I was making maybe about $7.50 an hour. And um, a, a union had got formed for us to get more pay. And I asked one of the... Uh, one of the heads of the company, you know, I asked him, you know, if, if y'all see us uh, sinking in the water and y'all are in the boat, would y'all reach out to help us out? And they they just genuinely said, no, we wouldn't. Right there, um, I started looking for new positions. And while I was, and majority of the people that I work with, mainly, I would say 99.9% of the people that I work with were uh, classified as non-white black people. And uh, a black gentleman from, you know, uh, from one of the higher levels upstairs, quote unquote, he offered me a job and, you know, uh, it was an IT job. So I started there and um, I acquired a, it's a certificate. It's a uh, security. It's called Security Plus. And majority of the Department of Defense jobs in the Washington D.C. area require you to have that certificate. So once I got that certificate, I was able to uh, apply for many jobs. And I really didn't even have to apply for jobs. Jobs were being offered me, offered to me, based on me having that certificate. You know, so. Um, the gentleman who got me, the, who uh, offered me the job, the job came with a, uh, a, it came with a security clearance. So once I got my security clearance and I got my uh, security plus certification, I just started applying for more jobs and, and you know, uh, getting to better positions. Like right now, I'm still, I still work for the Department of Defense, but uh, now, you know, I'm, 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 making about a hundred and K a hundred thousand dollars a year, which is maybe medium class in the area that I live in. I live in Fort Washington, Maryland, but uh, it allows me to, you know, sustain myself, you know, and the, the, the point is that I'm trying to make is, you know, there's certain certifications that if you acquire that certification, you won't even have to, uh, and I'm talking about in the IT field, there's certain certifications that if you acquire that certification, jobs will come to you. You won't have to go look for the job. And in my specific position, <laughs> you know, I live in the Washington, D.C. area, so majority of the people that I work with are in, uh, they work in California, so I'm able to telework uh there's a three-hour time difference, so by the time they're getting waking up and getting out of the bed, I'm already at work, so I can come, pretty much come to work whenever I want and leave whenever I want based on the times that, based on their schedules. So, you know, it's this 
you know, this, this is specifically for me, uh, uh, a, a great position. I'm not saying that it's going to be like that for everyone, but it's worked out very beneficiary to me. And on top of that, I stay on code. I don't, when I come to work, I don't talk to anyone, you know, there's not the, uh, aloof, um, you know, the aloof look to me because I don't work with these people. Most of the people that I work with are on the West coast, you know, so a lot of that is cut out for me, you know, there are white people where I work at, but I don't talk to them. You know, I, I really don't talk to many of the black people that I work with other than, you know, hey, how you doing to the black people just out of uh, black self-respect. But like I say, you know, you have to develop a code on the job that, that works for you that is going to keep you out of as much conflict as possible. I, I live by Nelly Fuller's code. I live by the codes that, you know, the uh, the recommendations that you put forth us. You know what I'm saying? It's worked pretty, pretty good for me. Well, bravo. That music to my ears is not compensatory call-in, so I can use the metaphor. That is outstanding. Uh, certifications. Check on those certifications that you can get, particularly in the IT field. We have had some other folks who have talked about specific certifications, uh, even outside the IT field, where employment is pretty good, uh, where you can get a job, you can make a salary, where you'll be able to support yourself, and you can maybe find a situation where you won't be molested by race soldiers too much, and or if you are, the certification or the skills that you've picked up will allow you to relocate without too much trouble. So, outstanding. Love that. And even once you get all that, still sticking to the code with regards to what you say, minimizing conflict, how much you say, very concise, direct to the point, still being on code. Once you get to that spot, that does not mean, oh, I can, you know, act if I don't have to be codified now. I can act a fool. We can go out to happy hour and all that. Nope. Stay on code because we are still in a system of racism, white supremacy. So the coziness could be disrupted at any time. Outstanding. And, and I, just, yes, sir. Go ahead. Just, I, I just wanted to add, you know, um, the uh, I know you're from Virginia. Um, the DMV area, this, uh, you know, like the Fort Washington, this PG County area is one of the most prominent areas, even though, you know, I'm, Hands down, there's still racism here, but there's a lot of black people who prosper in this area based on IT skills. So I advise anyone who is looking for an IT position, um, maybe looking to getting, you know, certain certifications, Security Plus, uh, um, Certified Ethical Hackers, and CISSP, because Jobs here are looking for people who have those qualifications. And like I said, you don't have to apply for the job. The jobs will apply for you. They will come looking for you. So if, if you're interested in moving to this area, please, there's a lot of opportunity here. And, you know, there's still racism, hands down. 
but the opportunities I feel are more gainful in this area. That's all. Outstanding. Love it. Love it. We do have a number of listeners uh, out D.C., Maryland, VA, my old stomping ground. Absolutely. Uh, But that right there, IT field, check out some of the certifications you just heard. Uh, Seems like there's some job opportunities uh, where you could do work uh, and do well. Not saying racism won't be a problem, but it could be an improvement uh, over your current plantation. And that's consistently what we are trying to do, get an improvement for our situation as we continue with the business of trying to solve this problem. Outstanding. So glad to hear that. And if there are any other folks, you have improved your situation. You're still employing counter-racist codification, uh, but you have figured out some ways to improve things. So you don't have as many of these problems. You have that sort of flexibility with your work schedule. When you come in, you don't have to have a lot of direct nonsense and conversation with whites and going into all of your private business and what have you. If you figured that out, share. Let us know. That is always uh, super, super uh, appreciated and still applying codification. I'm not forgetting that. Not saying that this is going to eliminate racism. It can improve things a little bit, but you will still need to be codified, especially if you want to stay in this cozy situation for a while. Absolutely. Lean on that codification. Uh, other folks, if we have any other folks who have uh, reports of that nature to share, that is spectacular. Star 6-1. If we have uh, other listeners who have suggestions, either for our black female caller who talked about being stonewalled in the interview process by uh, white women uh, or uh, our Bay Area mom who called in for her friend. Uh, Her uh, young daughter is having some difficulties in the school. If we have suggestions uh, for those two situations or any of the other folks who dialed in with their own situation, proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes. Good evening to Gus the callers and the listeners. Um, I have a, uh, actually an update. Um, I called in, this was like a couple of years ago where I was working at retail at the time. And I had an issue where I was uh, being terrorized by a suspected racist uh, um, female. And um, you suggested, and some of the callers suggested that I, um, stay busy when she would try to, uh, bait me into, um, unpleasant workplace conversation. And then also she, I had an issue where she was trying to make me do her work. So, um, that worked out successfully. Uh, but now I have, um, I'm actually a transporter of uh, bulk liquids. So I became a truck driver and uh, I work on my own, which worked out tremendously. A very, it's working out very well. I've just started in uh, uh, January of this year and started driving on my own a, a couple of months ago. But I have a race, um, a workplace racism op- observation that I like to share with the listeners. And um, it occurred this morning. I uh, arrived at at a property I've never been to before. And immediately I was greeted uh, with an unpleasant uh, energy by the security guard because I didn't park in the, in the correct place. 
I didn't know that because I haven't been there. And plus, there was no signage directing me on what to do, like some of the other properties that I've uh, delivered to. And um, so after I got after I check in, I received inf- information of where to unload. I uh, dealt with the shipping re- uh, the receiver, and um, this gentleman. I take that back. This racist suspect uh, comes out and says, hey, it's Friday the 13th. And I don't know what that meant. It didn't really uh, matter to me, you know, that it was Friday the 13th. I was just there to do my job and uh, which was unload the liquids that I was hauling. And um, so he gave me the instructions on where to unload. I did that. Well, I got out of my truck. And I uh, surveyed the uh, the area, uh, identified all the potential hazards that, you know, I could hit, <laughs> which one was a real car. And it's a very tight space, but this is part of my job. I do it. Uh, I do it often, and there was no problem. So, again, he says, it's Friday the 13th. Don't hit anything. I'm like, okay. Uh, he's sharing this negative, en- uh, negative energy. Um, I've learned from, from the cows. Um, not to to remain calm and i practiced my breathing techniques got everything under control all right got back in my truck started uh positioning myself to uh park my vehicle and uh began to unload and um as i was uh maneuvering my trailer into the proper position i damaged my uh steer tire which they're very expensive and uh, so that caused me distress. And uh, again, I went back. I started breathing. My, I practiced the breathing techniques. worked out perfectly fine. I got back into a cool, calm state. All right, got into proper, uh, parked my uh, trailer in the proper area, got out. The gentleman was like, again, with the negative energy, uh, he's saying that, First of all, he was pra- I suspect that he was practicing racism because he started directing me on how to do my job, which, you know, I, I know what to do. I've been properly trained. And um, so, again, started breathing uh, to remain calm and cool. Didn't have any, um, excuse me, one moment while I, I gather my thoughts. Thank you. I... Um, I remained calm. I didn't show any emotion. I listened to what the gentleman said, and um, and I went ahead and started doing, you know, preparing myself to unload. So then the gentleman, once he, um, once I opened up, like we have like cabinets that um, that are on my trailer, and he noticed that this trailer uh, didn't have. It, I guess it was different from what he's accustomed to seeing, and he's like. Again, with the negative energy, this is not going to work, and you don't have the proper stuff, and if I don't have the proper equipment, then we'll have to call someone else out. It could take, you know, hours for somebody else to come there to assist me in um, unloading. So I breathe. I practiced the breathing techniques. I surveyed, you know, what was low. I looked over my equipment. And I was like, no, everything is here. And he was like still saying, no, it's not going to work. So I just let him do whatever he was going to do. I um, grabbed my tools. I had to um, modify some of my equipment in order for it to work. 
for me to connect it so I could unload the, uh, the oils that I was delivering. Again, the gentleman says, you know, this is not going to work, negative energy. Well, anyway, I set up, I was preparing to unload, and uh, unfortunately, which is very rare, I had a leak. I prepared, I had things so there wouldn't, um, none of my product would actually hit the ground, which would cause an issue. So um, the gentleman, he like storms off and um, he walks over away from me and I can hear the guy cursing and stuff, which could cause a little distress, but I started breathing again, remained calm, looked at the situation, figured out what I needed to do. Well, actually, no, I had to call into my support team. Uh, the information that they shared wasn't constructive, didn't help me out. So, you know, the guy's really, you know, getting heated. Um, he starts, you know, cursing again. So I remained calm, started breathing, and just thought through the situation, end up figuring it out. The gentleman still wanted to practice racism by telling me what to do and how to do my job, which he was incorrect. However, part of my code is, just depending on the situation, I don't say anything. I just let them say what they're going to say because in their minds, I know that they think that we are, you know, uh, dumb for lack of a better word. However, I know that that's not true. So I figured it out. And uh, I let him do it his way. I tried it. My connections were still leaking. However, once he did his thing, I did it my way. Everything worked out perfectly fine. I was successfully unloaded without incident. And um, that is what I like to share. Thank you for this time and the platform to share my workplace uh, racism uh, incident. Mm. Spectacular. Uh, thank you so much uh, for dialing in to share. We got an update and we got the new report uh, as well. Uh, love it. Uh, that is black self-respect. Like, wow, that can be really challenging uh, because then that happens all the time, too, uh, where you have white people who just uh, assume, oh, you're just an ignorant nigga. You don't know anything. You don't, you know don't know how to fold two pieces of bread um let me show you how to do this you don't know how to drive this truck here nigga let me show you how to proper way to do let me show you how to unload these oils that when i say it takes a lot of black self-respect to let them say whatever they're going to say or whatever they're going to do and that i have been properly trained i am competent i know what i'm doing you said whatever you said or whatever whatever and i'm gonna go and do it my way a whole lot of times just because of acting. I mean, this is centuries of condition. Well, this is a white man and you know, I'll just go ahead. All right. We'll see if he, he knows what he's doing. I'm sure he's trying to help. That's tons, generations. That is what the system of white supremacy is supposed to do. It's supposed to produce. You listen to this white man. You could be killed for not listening to this white man in some circumstances or a white woman. Uh, I said, man, I know what I'm doing. This white man is in error. Let me do it correctly the way I've been trained, and go about my business. That is black self-respect. And whites on the job, in particular, and in the classroom, they do this sort of thing all 
the time, the assumption that you don't know anything, the assumption that you're stupid, and then they're sabotaging you all the that's that uh glass ceiling that they were talking about before. They're sabotaging you the whole way, acting like they're quote unquote helping. No, you're not. You're just here practicing racism, terrorizing me. Then you can mess it all up and go blame me. Oh, yeah, I knew he was an ignorant nigger. As soon as he came in, I told him, Friday the 13th, we got this black nigger here, and he just messed everything up. Uh, I will just pause briefly. Those uh, breathing exercises can be very beneficial when you're in situations like that uh, on the job, really in the job or any place else. Just being able to calm your breathing can be hugely important. Uh, It can make such a big impact. Just taking, you know, we're talking two minutes, three minutes. We're not talking about an hour. Just two minutes to just calm down, take some deep breaths. That is a huge aspect, central aspect uh, of yoga talked about that at the cows yoga retreat back in the good old virginia we should be in florida december 28 to january 1 check the website check the blog racism notes.blogspot.com if you need more details but we will be doing breathing exercises i shared quite a few uh, when we were in uh virginia uh, for folks out there, you can just do some deep inhales, deep exhales, uh, breathing exercises. I do uh, personally and share uh, when I am teaching yoga. You can do an inhale uh, through your nose for a four count. You would hold your breath once you get to the top of that inhale. You would hold your breath for four seconds. And then you would exhale for four seconds. So it'd be inhale through your nose, one, two, three, four. You would hold your breath, four, three, two, one, and then exhale, four, three, two, one. And just doing that, you can do that for 60 seconds. It will make a huge impact. It will lower your blood pressure. It will calm you down. It will kick that parasympathetic nerve system in to begin to relax you a little bit. Even if you are in a stressed state, you can feel your pulse before you start that. And then check it again once you've done that for about 60 seconds. And you will feel, all right, I'm a little more calm. Let me think. You're able to get some oxygen to your brain so that you can process, get that brain computer working efficiently and think. Racism is being practiced. How am I going to neutralize it? Outstanding. Uh, I think the negative energy that you uh, were alerted to with this white man's and oh, pagan holidays, Friday the 13th. Oh, my goodness. Nigger cat is going to come through here in a minute or something bad is going to happen. I would say be mindful of that because I think uh, just in terms of talking about things uh, that could happen bad for you or some some type of ill. Uh, I think racists do that a lot uh, with black people. It's not things are not talked about as though things are going to work out well for you and how well this is going to go. It generally is not talked about in that way for black people. So I would be mindful about that from a black person uh, from a white person. Excuse me. Uh, I think you also mentioned that this fellow was doing a lot of cursing. 
oh man, this isn't going to work and blah, 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 and filth flooring and all that. That's something I'm uh, super mindful of as well. Uh, in a lot of workplace situations, that alone might be enough to be, whoa, uh, we are going to conduct ourselves in a professional manner. Uh, I am not using profanities in speaking to you, and I expect and will not tolerate you using profanities in speaking to me. Let's conduct ourselves like professionals. That'd be the type of thing that I would say in most work environments. I know sometimes you do have uh, uncouth work environments where everybody just curses all day long. It's filth foreign and, you know, that sort of thing does not work. Uh, but generally, I am very alert because when you don't just have basics of professional and you're talking in that sort of manner with all the profanities, it's real easy for that to flip to calling you a nigger and spear chucker and just more flagrant acts of white supremacy and dis hostile, uh, more hostile, more flagrantly discourteous acts. So uh, a lot of times I would try and nip that in the bud, too. But this might be one of those environments where he can just do that all day long and it's no big deal. Uh, just the black self-respect of remaining calm, relying on your training and planned you can call it planned ignoring and or not listening when whites are attempting to come in and quote unquote help you especially when you have not asked for help i think you said you called the support service these are people that are supposed to help you out if there's a problem you didn't say oh man i don't know what i'm doing here hey look here fella can you can you help me figure out how to get fix this leak and get these uh this liquid out of here that's not what happened he volunteered his incorrect services be really mindful of that sort of thing and black self-respect. If you've been trained and you know what you're doing, do what you do. Do not listen to these race soldiers. That sort of thing happens often on the job. Uh, let's see. Much obliged again for the update and the new report, sir. Uh, if we have uh, folks that we missed totally, give out the number again, 605-313-5167. Decode five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, folks, we missed completely. If you have commentary, proceed. Can I be heard? Greetings, Imhan DC. Yes, sir. Greetings and greetings to everyone. So I had to get a new job and I don't appreciate it. Uh, now that I've been back um, out of the country since I was gone for so long, I've spent a lot of money. And now I have to work uh, one of these difficult jobs. And so during the training, it's, you know, um, so some of the things that I've noticed is this place is very, it has um, heavy surveillance. Like everywhere you are, there's cameras. Um, the training rooms, the first training room I was in, there was um, more microphones than people hanging out of the walls. So there weren't cameras in that room, but people were speaking freely. But there's mic there were microphones hanging down uh, from the ceiling, but they were painted the same color as the ceiling. So you would have to, you know, look up to um, notice what they were. Um, but everybody's just speaking really freely. And then you go to another training room and there's no uh, cameras. But I know there's some type of observation device or something because every other place that you go in this uh, facility on this campus is heavily surveyed surveyed to where they see you and from several different angles there's several uh, buildings on 
this piece of land. And anyway, um, dealing with children and, um, I don't want to keep the job, but, um, during, uh, the, uh, some of the training, um, the lady, one of the several trainers, uh, one of the uh, training uh, people was saying, um, all the, all the different reasons why children have these problems, these severe, you know, mental problems, the, you know, wherever the worst problems are. And they, they give a whole list of reasons, you know, um, whether it's being, um, raped or whether it's being physically abused, verbally abused, whether it's being all other sorts of things, um, including, um, including poverty. They said they, so they gave all these factors, but she wouldn't say white supremacy. And then, so she had given all the factors and then she said, and, and then she stopped and she was like, Oh, words are hard, like a joke. And then she said, racism, like that was the other, that was the reason that was the other reason, big reason why people are having the problems that they have to treat. And, but, but before she said racism, she said words are hard, which would have thrown everybody else off as to what the heck she was even relating racism to. And then so she said racism afterwards. So that was the word that was difficult for her to say. And, but then she didn't explain it. She didn't give a definition. And so, so then the next thing she said, um, cause she, she had to, it, it sounds like she has to say racism in the presentation, but in order to, in order to use her speech to confuse the people about racism, uh, I don't, I don't know how to put my words together to say this, um, but she, she, she used her speech to confuse the people about racism by saying, after she gave all those different reasons why people are having problems, then, and then she was saying that it's uh, black people that are, you know, that are, a lot of them are uh, the most ones that are having the problems, although there's a majority white population in a majority white country. Um, but, but she was just saying, okay, let me get quicker. She was just saying, um, she wouldn't give a definition. Then she said, she asked us to guess. Now, who has the lowest um, life expectancy? Who, um, out of all the demographics, who do you think, asked us to guess, who do you think um, uh, their life expectancy, their life expectancy is expected to decrease as time progresses? That whose life expectancy is going to go down in the future? So everybody's like, hmm. And then somebody said, black men. And they're like, oh yeah, probably. It's just like black men. Okay, so so you know she can speak very openly about that. It, it was right after the racism comment. So now I asked her, uh, do you think that one of the reasons? that the life expectancy of black men are expected to go down is because of racism. The word that you had a difficult time saying. And so she was like, uh, she said, she looked at me. <laughs> uh, and she, she said, um, yeah, maybe that's one of the, um, maybe that has something to do with it. And then she started talking about something else. Um, she also, so, so then as soon as she got done with that presentation, she got on her telephone and started typing something to somebody. So, but. Um, and then, um, the, the, the white guy kept talking about cat or whenever he was talking about the people, he would say something and it's like, Oh, it's, you know, obviously it's, he's, he's talking about white people, you know, that, that they um, the problems that he was discussing was the white person's problem. But then he said something that then he would say Tasmanian devil. I don't get, I don't like, I can't, he would just keep saying Tasmanian devil. And it was like a joke, but, but it's the joke is 
um, yeah, I'm talking about white people and the problems that they have. But you remember all those niggas we killed? They act just like these white people right now, like a like a devil. Like you know, right when they was about to all be wiped out. But um, I think that's the joke. Um, and then uh, I think that's the last thing I need to say, so I can um, save time. Thank you. Much obliged, M. Hun DC. Words are hard. She probably hopped on her phone to report you. Uh, we had suspicious Negro activity. Uh, black male asked me some odd questions uh, and probably needs to be under further surveillance. Make sure you get a microphone uh, next to his workstation uh, so we can hear exactly what he's talking about. Microphone and a camera while we're at it. Uh, I said that earlier. I said at the beginning of the broadcast, uh, when you go into your plantation work environment, we're under massive surveillance now. I don't know if it's every plantation is going to have microphones and, and setups like that, uh, what Imhan DC was seeing. But uh, we have had a number of folks who've called in either about cameras or Alexa or something uh, that was set up where white people are snooping. snooping. Uh, sometimes it's even just getting other non-white people to listen in and report back on what you said or what you were doing, what you were eating, what you were wearing. We are under surveillance. That is a system of racism, white supremacy. Uh, and be mindful of that at all times. What you say, what you do, how you are behaving. Just assume that you are being watched. Uh, the confusion in the presentation uh, that is standard uh, where they either will not mention racism, white supremacy at all uh, or will try as best they can to obfuscate when they do mention it. That would have been a great time, especially since this is training. What is your definition of racism? And say it slow so I can write it down. Awesome. And in fact, uh, that should be bedrock part of our counter racist code anytime <clears throat> if it's a white person or a non-white person during the speaking uh and it's some sort of workplace event and they bring up racism definition rubber meets the road let's get the definition for racism or any word that's close to that if they say race any of the definition of what you mean when you say race racism whatever the word is and proceed from there that can shut a whole meeting down sometimes uh if they have the definition or they don't have it or they give a definition that doesn't make sense um with the the black males and and life expectancy that's i hate that when people do that guessing game uh type of a thing like especially if we're supposed to be on a serious topic and racism always is uh workplace training should be serious too and and this has devolved into some sort of guess about who is most likely to die uh, and it's, oh, we're going to shut oh, it's black males. I thought white people are ignorant about uh, racism, white supremacy, and, and they seem to know the correct answer uh, to that question. Even in the midst of all this talk about plummeting life expectancy because of opioids and all the rest of it. Not ignorant about racism. We are under surveillance. Always look for opportunities to ask questions, especially if they if a white person in a workplace, if they are the ones initiating the dialogue on racism. Oh, yeah have at least one question to ask. Uh, let's see. Other folks, and especially if you're going into a work environment and you know it's going to be a temporary situation, uh, DC shared that. Super codified. I'm going to be here for a short period of time, so I'm going to be on my code while I am here for that brief period. Uh, other folks uh, that we have missed totally, if you have commentary to share, line should be open. Proceed. 
Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, greetings, Gus. Greetings to all the uh, callers and listeners. Um, I'm a fairly new listener, first-time caller. Um, and I'm calling about a situation that I have at work. Um, and there's a little bit of a history behind it, but I will keep it as brief as possible um, in consideration of other people that want to chime in. Um, so this is about, um, I work in an office. The office is medium size. Um, I think at full capacity, maybe 50 people could work there. Right now, there's probably about 30 to 40 people working there. And uh, mostly, mostly white people, people who classify themselves as white. There's about half a dozen of us, about six of us, maybe five that are non-white. And um, about a year and a half ago, um, I had a neighbor, a um, person in my, who sat, sat in my row, um, who began to harass me. Now, um, a year and a half ago, I was very confused about racism and white supremacy, um, but I always had a work ethic where I really just didn't talk to anybody at work. I'm naturally introverted. Um, I typically just don't care to talk to people anyway. So um, not that I don't care about people, I just don't care to talk to people about non-work matters. I'm just not interested in that. Um, and with this particular white female, um, I she, she's very loud and she would like to talk about random things. And so sometimes I would listen to her, this was a year and a half ago, sometimes I would listen to her, sometimes I wouldn't. And um, I guess maybe she didn't like that I would ignore her from time to time. Um, and so she kind of um, began to harass me a little bit when she began to notice that I really wasn't responding to her uh, um, the way that other people were, or I guess the way she wanted me to respond to her. And like I said, at this time, I was confused, pretty confused about racism, white supremacy. I didn't realize that I was the little Negro in her row and that I was there for her to play with, and I wasn't being a good Negro by playing with her, so she felt like she could just harass me and punish me for not responding to the comments that she was making. So, um, so the thing that really turned me off about her um, before she even said anything racist, um, which by the way, she always brought up, it was never brought up by anyone else. Um, everything that she would talk about, it was a joke. Everything was funny, everything she had to laugh about. And what really turned me off about her personality was um, she brought up something about, something to do with um, violence against women. And she thought that violence against women was funny. And I don't think that's funny. And um, it just really left a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. She made other comments um, about Martin Luther King Day. That shouldn't be a holiday because our office is closed. Our office um, observes Martin Luther King Day and our office is closed so she can't come in and work. And so she was upset about that. And so she started um, talking about how Martin Luther King Day shouldn't be a holiday. He didn't do anything. Um, he didn't accomplish anything. In this country, nobody cares about what he did. Um, these are her words, not mine. Um, and the other thing she would talk about, drugs and how all the drugs were in the ghettos and only brown and black people would uh, were, well, they were the ones majority abusing the drugs, so she didn't know why pharmaceutical companies were being sued uh, over opi opioids and things like that for getting people addicted to them because it was mostly brown and black people using and abusing these drugs and stealing them in order to do it anyway. 
I honestly don't know why she felt comfortable enough with me to, to let these things slip or to say these things out loud. I'm not sure if maybe she was purposely trying to upset me, but like I said, she was harassing me. So what I did was I went to the site manager who um, I'm guessing he's a non-white male. He could pass for white, but he had like a Hispanic name. I, so I don't really know if he identified himself as white. And I spoke to him about her and I actually didn't, I, I actually didn't bring up any of the racist comments that she made. I just brought up that she was harassing me. She would um, give her opinion about my life. She would ask me what I was doing for the weekend. And when I would, you know, not really respond or tell her what I was doing because it's none of her business, she would insult me and say, oh, well, you have no life anyway. So it doesn't really matter, you know, things like that. Just stupid mess. And um, so my site manager asked me what I would like to, you know, have done about the situation. I said, I don't want to sit in her row anymore. I'd like to sit in a different area of the office. And he obliged. So I was able to go ahead and move to a different area of the office. So, and that, that worked like a dream for the next year and a half. Um, I did not have to talk to her unless I absolutely had to, uh, which was if we were working on the same case or the same project and we had to talk to each other about the case, I would limit the conversation only to the case. And if she tried to engage me in some conversation outside of that, I would just not respond to her, just turn around, walk away, go on about my business. I'm not paid to, you know, entertain her. So I don't consider that uh, in my job description. So um, fast forward a year and a half, here we are. Now there's a new site manager. And the new site manager is a non-white female. She's black. And so she decided to rearrange the entire office so that everybody who's working on the same project now has to sit together. So last week, I got moved back into the row with this uh, white female who had been harassing me. And so far for the past week, well, I, I, I don't want to say that I trained her, this white woman, not to talk to me because she kind of knows the deal that I'm not going to respond to her. Um, she's kind of funny. So what she'll do is for a couple days, she won't talk to me. And then uh, like the third day out of the blue, she'll try to engage me in conversation. And I would ignore her. Um, and I could just feel that harassing vibration coming off of her. And I'm trying to decide whether or not if I should go to this new site manager and speak to her um, because I'm presuming the old site manager didn't tell her about the situation and that since this is a new site manager, I would have to explain to her all over again the situation. The problem is not much has happened in the past week since I've had to move. Um, so I, I'm debating whether or not sh if I should talk to this new site manager to get a new seat assignment or if I should just wait and see how it goes um, before I do anything. Um, and that's basically the situation. And uh, thank you all for listening. I will mute my line. Hmm. Much obliged. First time caller. I uh, hope uh, the cows has been continues to be worthy of your time and energy. I'm thankful you uh, took a little chunk chunk of your Friday evening to uh, dial in to share. Uh, white people are not ignorant about racism, white supremacy. We, myself, uh, our new caller, the rest of us, we are still learning about racism, white supremacy. The experts are like this white woman uh, on the job who's doing all this harassing and what have you. Uh, and I, I've said uh, for some years 
when we come into contact with individuals classified as white, particularly a work situation, and we're not codified, we're laughing it up, having fun with them, don't really have a code with regards to our behavior and conduct. Uh, and then we switch. We start to get a better understanding and start to change a few things and not willing to share every little detail about ourselves. We don't laugh at all their jokes and what have you. Oh, man, they notice that immediately. What is up with my negro? We used to have a jolly old time. And, you know, now this is just the surliest, you know, nigger ever, like not giving me any details. I ask them what they're doing for the weekend. Not even going to tell me this. You know, what is up with this nigger? And they come back with something. How you don't have a weekend anyway. Come back to immediately uh, be hostile uh, towards you once you don't give uh, up that information. Uh, I think that is it's uh, we've had a number of non-white people who have talked about how white people get really upset in work uh, workplace situations when they feel like, wow, this black person, this non-white person doesn't really trust me. Uh, I feel like they don't have their guard down uh, around me. They seem like they're treating me like I might be a racist. You know, they don't just give up all the details. I think that is exactly uh, the way that we should function in a workplace. Again, not being aloof. We can talk about workplace things, absolutely, and we'll be asking workplace questions on a regular basis, but you're not just going to sit here and harass me and talk about nonsense. Uh, I think that was great getting the seat uh, changed when you uh, were asked, how would you like to deal with this to, to not be around her anymore and to be able to get moved uh, now that you have a new supervisor? If it's been, the problem has been so significant that a white person had to intervene and or uh, a supervisor, someone more powerful, uh, had to step in to help resolve the conflict. I think that sort of information should be shared uh, if they're a new supervisor uh, enters, because I don't think they should uh, get this problem. If an incident comes up, if this white woman reverts to her trifling ways, I don't think she should hear about this situation as a, oh, this is a first time thing. No, this has happened repeatedly, repeatedly. And your predecessor uh, had to intervene before uh, to help resolve this matter. So I think, yeah, if, if uh, it becomes something where she's, you know, doing the same thing, I would share. That's been my recommendation before uh, where white people on job situations and they're just they're recalcitrant. They continue with the same racist antics. New supervisor comes who doesn't know about their history. Remind them. That's where it's great if you have written information, because then you can just bam, give them a little print out of the emails where we've had the same type of problem before to make sure that this misconduct isn't repeated. That's my uh, general thought on it. I guess if it's if it's do you wait until something happens, uh, you could take that approach. Um, I would be alert, though. It would be a, what they say, a super short leash. In terms of waiting for anything, if anything is said, anything is done really short and then, oh, yeah, we're not going to allow you to get rolling uh, on this again and thinking that you're going to harass me and, and disrupt my work productivity. Uh, any suggestions, any other thoughts on how you would deal with this harassing white woman? Any of the folks that are listening in, any suggestions before we get other callers? Hi, guess it's B again. Um, my, my, the call just dropped, 
so I'll, I had a couple of ideas for a couple of callers, but I'll wait until everybody's gotten their turn. Oh, right on. Good to know, B. Glad that you are back with us. Uh, any suggestions? Uh, first time female caller, how she's dealing with this white woman. Any other thoughts before we nab other folks? All right, I'll check back. Uh, are there any other callers that have a hand up that we've missed totally? Anybody else uh, dialed in? Star 61, if you have either suggestions or your own situation, uh, do we have any other callers that we have missed completely? Yes, ma'am. Greetings, Gus, and greetings to all the callers on the line. Um, for the woman who just spoke, um, well, not be in Toronto, but the one who was asking about um, this harassing uh, race soldier, um, I wholeheartedly agree, Gus, with everything that you said, and um, that's what I called in for to say that I personally uh, think that she should wait until something happens, and I, I think that um, that was brilliant that um, you said that you would um, give the race soldier a really short lease, like you wouldn't wait until, you know, it's just this extreme thing. Just the, the first thing that she that she did or said that even seemed like, you know, it was some type of harassing behavior or something incorrect that you would go and um, report it. But yes, I, I, I definitely wouldn't um, go right now while nothing is happening. I was waiting. I would wait until something is happening so I, so that she would have something to be able to say this is why we were moved to begin with, and this is an ongoing problem. So it definitely needs to be resolved because it's not a situation where, I guess, just time away for a temporary amount of time is, is going to stop her. She's dedicated, as Gus would say, um, to her behavior. And that was it. I'll mute my line. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Gus. Much obliged, Ivy. Let's see. Uh, other folks, we missed totally. Any other folks? Uh, well, let me see. Speaking of missed totally, I think there are still a few emails. I have missed totally. Let's make sure I can nab all of these as we roll as well. Uh, other folks, if you have suggestions or your own situation, uh, we'll nab that as well. Uh, this is from our black female caller. She's written in a few times before, many times before. Uh, she says, I was recently able to confirm my suspicions of the way companies would rather spend a lot of money and time to hide their racism versus just stopping being racist. Remember that Harvard uh, Business Review podcast? Uh, I work in a high rise building and I'm on the top floor. Black employees are scarce throughout the building. As I noticed this during a fire drill recently, there is an office a couple of floors below mine. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> there's an office a couple of floors below mine where they clearly don't hire black people and this office is the most densely populated since i have been working in this building i noticed twice a year i would see a bunch of black people on the elevator going to that particular floor after years of noticing this i decided to ask questions and asked a few of the black people if they were new employees all the ones i asked said no they were here for an interview which is a multi-part interview so they had to come in multiple times and interview with multiple different people 
After about two weeks, I would not see a single black person on the elevator or any time I come in or leave. So I did my research and learned that most job interviews are fake. They never had any intention to hire anyone. Generally, white women conduct interviews to make themselves look busy or use it as a way to give them something to do. Hmm, I think we had a listener talk about white women interviewers today. Uh, I concluded that the floor below mine was conducting these interviews with black people as a way to show that they are diverse or to give the appearance that they seek to hire from certain racial groups when they actually do not want people from those groups in their company and even if they did, would never promote them. I had to do my research to learn that to these companies, it looks better to be in compliance with federal and state regulations when you interview more people of different sex, race, etc. They will use the excuse that the black applicants weren't qualified. This also happens on my floor, but they do hire black women with no intention of promoting us at all. Black male privilege. It's obvious. I am sure the company below mine gets a good laugh at wasting black people's time and stressing them out. I actually reported the lack of promotion opportunity to the ethics department in my company, and they are still doing an investigation. My white female manager, who is married to a black male, is still laying low. Cowbell. Once I made the report, they actually opened up the training class to everyone so we can get our certifications, which would allow us to get a chance to be promoted. The class is free now but ends at the end of the month i know for sure the day after the class and testing the investigation will end and they will claim they didn't find anything and my white female manager will return to terrorize the black employees that may be so but i would make sure i'm sure you already did but i would make sure i signed up first as soon as that training uh was placed oh yeah get my name up and if there are any other training opportunities please email me immediately and give them my email address and I might have to ask about that on a schedule every two weeks every month something but I would be known boy that nigga pesters us about training my god when the training comes in let that nigga know first so I can keep him out of my office that would be my reputation uh, around the workplace vegan pestering about training opportunities uh, let's see Oh, OK. So that's uh, end of that email. No surprise. And that's exactly what uh, one of our listeners wrote in previously uh, about these white women doing these interviews. It's super fake. The same thing with the energy. And she doesn't get a call back, doesn't get hired, even though she's qualified and has the experience, has the references and all of that, uh, that it is all a scam uh, is all a scheme that whites will invest a lot of time and energy, giving the pretense, the appearance that they are about so-called justice and working against racism when that is not the case at all. And I especially appreciated the element that this is just welfare for white women to make it look like they are doing something when they're just wasting black people's time and energy. Uh, other folks dialed in. We missed anybody. If you have a hand up and we haven't heard from you at all, uh, make sure you speak up before we miss you. Uh, we have about 30 minutes or so left in the broadcast. A little less than 30. May I be heard? Uh, greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, my first uh, incident that I'd like to share is uh, 
I was uh, coming back from my morning break, 15-minute break, and a uh, uh, suspected uh, racist female uh, had greeted me, and she was like, she just said, hey, how's it going? She said, hey, what's my name? And I just said, hey, and I was on the way back to the desk that I've been assigned. And she says, uh, so are you, she says something about, are you staying out of, out of trouble or whatever? You haven't been getting into the, any trouble, have you? So my response was, I just said the words, no response. And I had like some bass in my voice. And then I just uh, walked through the door. Uh, and I just heard, I just heard her and the other, uh, female kind of sound like they were saying, oh man, why did he say that? So later on that day, she tried to, uh, speak again to me and I just responded with a, Hey again. And she was trying to sound, uh, pleasant and nice this time. And definitely I'm not ever expecting or asking for an apology. Uh, my next one is uh, there was a a white woman speaking to the black female coworker of mine, or just a black female coworker, and uh, there was a customer, a black female customer. She was holding a black baby, and they were trying to get the baby a passport picture. So the white woman looks down at the black baby. Uh, and what's significant about this is that uh, I think it's called maximum racist aggression. Uh, she has a a non-white child tragic arrangement, so she looks down at the black baby and says, "Oh, this baby is so cute, and it makes me want to have another one. It makes me want to have another baby." So if you can just envision that in your mind. Um, and she starts going up to the baby, almost like she wants to pick the baby up. Uh, that was my second observation. My, uh, third observation is this, uh, white female, she gets a haircut. She cuts all her hair off almost. I guess it's called a bob cut or whatever. And I just noticed the attention that she got versus when the, uh, black females, get their hair, get their, uh, get their hair done or whatever. They didn't get the same kind of attention. And you can just tell that she's being very flirtatious, uh, specifically with a lot of the black male customers and some of the, uh, black employees there. So she's bragging about getting off of the elevator at a certain time, wanting a, uh, a certain black male's response to see if he would say anything to her. And she came back another time uh, speaking about a black bailiff's reaction to her haircut. And she's coming in blushing. And then, you know, they have these encouraging conversations about what the black male's reaction was. Uh, I thought that was very uh, suspicious on the white woman, of course. Uh, my fourth one is the um, white woman that I mentioned a few weeks ago that I believe uh, has been warned that we've gotten a warning about uh, her having a threatening behavior 
threatening law enforcement officers. Uh, apparently, she got in. This is the first time. She got in two times a day. The first time, she was able to get into the courthouse, got upstairs, and was becoming very belligerent and very hostile with the judge. So, apparently, I think the judge and a few bailiffs and the lady uh, came back down to the uh, clerk's office area on the first floor. Like, you know, what are you doing? Like, y'all supposed to have this person being monitored. She's supposed to be accompanied by a bailiff. Um, so the first failure, um, I think it was arrogance done on this. Definitely no ignorance. I, I think it's always comfort and arrogance um, uh, because white people know what they're doing. Uh, my next one is the white woman comes in again uh, toward like 4.30 or sometime around then. And she is berating black male uh, over in the civil area, cursing him out. And I strongly disagree with this uh, devaluing of an employee, mistreatment. Um, so after she is done cursing him out, she comes over to the area where I work. And apparently the black female was telling me she was uh, using her, uh, pretty much um, cursing her out to using vulgarity, uh, vicious language at her. And she gets up and almost gets back to the administrative room where the warden is back there. And apparently, I guess, a bailiff finally, I guess, uh, catches up to her so to speak, quote unquote, and they, I guess, remove her from that area. But apparently she was still there after five. So I'm like, this is unacceptable because I, I said to the, uh, the supervisor in the department, I said, I'm going to tell you right now, if she comes in and then I see her, she's not getting any help from me. I'm going to an officer. I, it, it, don't, it don't even matter like who's in the area. Like, I don't really care. Like, as soon as I recognize it, hey, uh, I'm notifying an officer because the clerk pretty much notified us to do this. So she's not getting any chance. She already had enough chances. So, uh, But apparently this is uh, deliberate protection of a white person that like, they don't want to address this person. And apparently the supervisor was acting like she didn't even know about it. But I have two more left. Um, the first of the last two is uh, I was doing my last uh, pickup run before I went to the post office. And apparently this door that I usually use is like a short shortcut to get back into the department that I work in to pick up mail. So apparently the knob on it was broken. So the knob that I usually twist, it just kept twisting around like it was flimsy and I couldn't open it. So, uh, this white man and two white women, one of them being the supervisor that I have on my supervisor, they were uh, speaking to each other and this white man comes to open the door and he's like, Oh, give me some money. Give me some money. Then I open the door with a, um, practicing racism all, always usually. And I don't really even know this person. Uh, so he finally opens the door and I guess he admits that he broke it. Um, and this is why I said comfort and the racists have great comfort 
uh, they act like they they have such a great rapport with you that they can uh, behave in this manner toward me, uh, towards black people. Uh, and he says, yeah, you know, at some point, these things are bound to break after this many years. So uh, we both start walking towards where the supervisor and the other uh, assistant supervisor was. And he says, uh, well, you know that he admits that he broke it, right? So I just didn't respond. And the supervisor, the white woman, she like she had a look on her face like, oh, my God. You know, like I know that's a metaphor, but um, what I meant by that is she's very well versed on how I speak about these issues. So she was like, oh, no, no, he didn't do it. Don't say that. So, um, I, so this leads to my last one. I get back from the post office, uh, and I tried to use the door again because I don't know if it probably was fixed or what. So one of the other officers says, "Hey, you know, uh, that door still isn't working yet. So you might want to use another one." So I was like, "Okay." And then, um, this was a code that I wanted to use. I said I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say, um, "Blame the." So you're going to blame the black person, huh? So I walked toward the other area and the guy, the same racist, he was standing out there with a black guy, black officer. So, so I say, man, you, you, you messed up my flow. That's the slang that I use. You messed up my usual order of doing things, my flow. Um, so I walked through the double doors and it was wide open and there was a lot of white people at the counter. <laughs> He said, "Oh, you know, you knew that that door was locked or broken." So I said, "Said man, you're blaming a black person, huh?" So I know people heard this, and I intended them to hear it. Uh, so I walked in the door, and then I walked to ask my supervisor about, you know, about the last situation, and then she said she didn't know about it. And then I went over, then I went to ask her about, and how can this guy? blame me for breaking the door when I didn't do it. And then she goes on to say, Oh, well, you know, it was a, I think he was just, I think he was just joking or whatever. My response was, well, you have been structured to say that. That's exactly, that's exactly what I said. You have been structured to say that. And she didn't really, she didn't really give a response to that. Um, and then she says, Oh, well, uh, has he been offensive? Does he have a history of being offensive to you? I said, it's not just this. This is happening every time. Every day I expect this when I come in here. This is my everyday life. So, so uh, she was kind of just looking at me, staring at me. And I said, well, I said, uh, well, you don't go through this, do you? You know, like you don't have to deal with being mistreated like this. Uh, and I say, and I said that um, I'm going to report this to uh the clerk pretty much i didn't say when i was going to do it i just said i was going to report it uh and that was pretty much how the day ended because i was at the time clock and i clocked out after i, I had this conversation with the supervisor and uh that's all i have to share thanks for allowing me to share wow the florida courthouse never disappoints uh i do recommend uh pretty often uh those allegations in the workplace to take those seriously 
Uh, if it's being suggested, oh, you broke the door or you broke the camera or anything else uh, in the workplace, uh, you stole the paper clips. Uh, all of those allegations, I said, take that serious because uh, you never know. Bill Cosby, you never know uh, when up and man, they are doing an investigation about you breaking the door. And it's, Wait a minute, what are you talking about? I didn't break it with Take all of that seriously uh, anytime uh, a white person or non-white person uh, is accusing you and talking as though you did something uh, incorrect in the workplace. Uh, And then uh, to go through, I guess, in the last one to go through and the guy at the front bailiff or whatever is, oh, man, you you broke the door and all that. You're blaming the black person. Really? And that is in the question lane. That one might work uh, for some folks uh, in your workplace if you are, and particularly people that uh, are in environments where they're facing like repetitive uh, false allegations. That might be one to employ. Uh, you can pick your time and space, see if you can use it without causing more problems. Maybe. Uh, and that's so kind of so cliche. Another stale aspect of white supremacy that, oh, he was just joking. You know, Rob, he likes to, he, he's amateur comedian. He likes to have a little fun in the way. He was, he was just pulling your leg. That's all. Don't take, don't take it so serious. Like what? We're in the courthouse. I thought the court of law was supposed to be serious. And now we're talking about things being broken. Why are we making false accusations? Why is that funny? Where is the ha ha in that? Me being accused of breaking uh, property at the courthouse. Wasn't funny when the camera was broken not too long ago. I didn't see any ha-ha about that. That was serious. Having to break and replace property can be expensive. The the trespassing uh, white woman, speaking of recalcitrant whites, uh, the trespassing white woman now, unless my memory is bad, they sent out like a memorandum. SOS, terrorist white woman, she's been a problem. She has a record. She's accosted uh, enforcement officials, which I mean, hey, we got whole crimes about that now. You know, you'll do extra time if you, you know, do something to an enforcement officer. Uh, They sent out this big memorandum so everybody can be prepared, not ignorant uh, about this white terrorist. And then she comes in and trespasses not once, but twice uh, and gets all the way up on the floor. Now, again, now I doubt very seriously if O.J. Simpson came in the courthouse He would be able to travel and get around without, wait a minute, the juice is here. Protect the white women he's going to stab. I mean, come on. Twice? Maybe one time, you know, my guard is down. The door is broken. I got to fuss at this nigga about breaking the door. He got other things happening. You know, might be distracted, whatever. Twice in the same day, she leaves, gets a coffee break, and she comes right back in. And come on. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Like, I mean, everybody in security is fired. Everybody's getting docked a day's pay. Like, come on. What if she was violent? What if she had killed a judge? What if she had killed a visiting child? Come on. The uh, I, I appreciate the she does this again. I'm not going to help. I'm going directly to security. It's no I mean, come on. What's the point of uh, of briefing everyone that this woman is, is dangerous and a threat? What's the point of all that if we're just going to come in and allow her to go willy nilly wherever she wants to go in the courthouse? Uh, with the she's coming in causing trouble the white woman comes and asks you you're staying out of trouble 
that is another tacky cliche in the system. Now, I haven't paid as uh, close attention to that phrase to see if that's one uh, that whites say to each other uh, frequently in the workplace. But I know it's been said to me. And I even remember that specifically. Uh, I was working and I was very confused about racism. I hadn't read Mr. Fuller's material, Dr. Wellesley's material. Super, super confused. And uh, a white man said that to me. Uh, in a workplace. He didn't phrase it as a question, though. He just uh, made a statement, stay out of trouble. That's the other, or one of the other variations of that one they'll give. Stay out of trouble, as he was walking off. And I was with a black male, and he noted something incorrect about that. He says, look at that. Stay out of trouble. What does that mean? What does that mean? What trouble does he think you're in uh, as a black person? And I hadn't even, I said, super confused. I hadn't even thought of it. Uh, And then he says, next time, he said something like that to me, I said, well, you make sure you stay out of trouble, sir, or something to that effect. But he would redirect back. And I said, wow, I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about that. I thought he was joking. See, I'm, you know, I've been structured, victimized to think in the same way. I just thought he was joking around. I didn't even think anything. Years later, I do see the incorrectness of that uh, and would encourage everybody be mindful if that statement is being said to you uh, by white. Stay out of trouble. You keeping out of trouble? Any of that uh, nine of this. I'm a troublemaking nigger. That's the way I am. Yes. Yeah. And pay attention. Like I said, pay attention. Is that a statement that's reserved for the niggers? Or do they tell the other white people in the office too? Do you hear other white people telling other white people that they were, Hey, did you stay out of trouble this weekend? All right. Have you heard uh calling Florida? Have you heard uh, the white people say that to other white people in the office? Do you think that's just a casual phrase that gets said, you know, willy nilly to everybody white or non-white? Uh, I did hear, um, well, overall, generally speaking, I've heard that just the term trouble, like in, uh, in, in different ways, um, used toward black people for the most part in my, in my experience. But, uh, recently after that incident, um, the white woman, she said, uh, she mentioned that I guess some guy came to the front counter and said that, Oh, look, there's trouble. I guess he said it to either her or some other lady, white lady up there, but she tried to base it on that people, I guess, have some kind of relationship with each other, almost like they're being comfortable with one another to where they've gotten to the point to say that, but it's still a racist dynamic in it because I do not speak to this female or none of the whites who have said that to me, or at least uh, the other black people that they said that to, they become comfortable because they look at you as um, beneath them or not, or they disregard you as a black person in a system of white supremacy because they um, are in a uh, advantageous position. So they automatically assume that comfort over you and they don't have to really be around you that long to use terms like that. So just a white person saying that that's all, you know, that's already, uh, unequal. Like she saying that she is called or she, she, like her saying that a white person, uh, saying there's trouble. She's based that on the two of them having some kind of, supposed friendship but this person 
I don't, <laughs> we don't have that kind of, uh, relationship with each other like that. I just come in and I just say, you know, morning everybody. And that's pretty much it. And, um, uh, it's, you know, she's pretty much a white person anyway. So it's suspected racist. So I still would think that even if the white person is being referred to as trouble, I, I still think that is on a different, uh, type of dynamic than black people when it comes to black people it's automatically assumed that you just trouble anyways like whether i've known you for a day or a week or uh two or three months but a white person basing it on it sounded like she was basing it on she knowing the person the other white person for uh, a good little while and using the word trouble against them mm. yeah that here comes trouble that's another one uh, that I've heard. Uh, and I, I, I haven't done an in-depth analysis, uh, but my general suspicion is that I think more frequently that sort of use of trouble is directed at black people. Uh, and in fact, I'll take it back to what was said earlier about negative uh, energy to pay attention to that, that the, the pattern will be that it's not uh, great plans and a sense of success and things working out well. Uh, it's something vile, something bad uh, happening to you or something bad associated with you, with black people. This would be the same type of pattern. Uh, the Friday the 13th, something bad. Oh, no, nigger cat's going to come. Same type of thing. Oh, you staying out of trouble? Mm, I don't know. No, you colored folks. Much obliged, uh, caller in Florida. Uh, is it anybody we missed totally? We have about five minutes uh, left in the broadcast. Anyone we missed completely have commentary that they want to make sure they got in? Can I be heard? Uh, retired firefighter, yes, sir. Greetings, Gus. Greetings, everyone. Uh, I heard uh, a uh, short way back. Uh, Female caller, first time caller, I believe, uh, was stating that uh, white woman was harassing her. Uh, sounds like uh, another case to whereas uh, uh, it would be uh, brought up in the next uh, job meeting about. Uh, the subversion, subversion of the uh, employment uh, by uh, workers harassing other workers, and uh, maybe even a good point to uh, state that worker uh, in front of everybody in that meeting. And let them have to explain on their uh, activity slash behavior. At the same time, uh, that's why it's good to keep a journal to be able to record times, dates, location of the uh, behavior of someone who. Uh, seem as their hobby or duty to do that to another employee on almost a daily basis. 
I also, last but not least, think it's not a bad idea to take a personal um, inventory of yourself just in case to think, well, is it something that I'm saying or doing or maybe even wearing that attracts that person to me? Uh, that can be something to think about. Uh, it may be something uh, that you are saying or not saying, or as I mentioned, even wearing that may constantly have that person uh, picks you out from everybody else. And uh, that may help the situation also. Uh, so uh, that, you know, from the time I came on the program and started listening on the program uh, is what uh, struck me the most, her report. Uh, because it could be a psychological uh, depriving situation to be, you know, you know you have to go to work and then you have to deal with something as unnatural as that. I mean, you expect something you expect that is not necessarily in your favor, but for that to go on on a daily basis is like mental, mental torture. And, uh, you have to be able to, you have to, you have to work to eliminate it. Uh, of course, distance is, uh, an immediate thing, but that's not always, uh, practical. Some workplaces are not, uh, as big as, uh, a football stadium. <laughs> and that person would still be in proximity to you. Uh, but, uh, I think the thing that needs to be eliminated is whatever is the ignition point that that person just keeps coming to you and you spoil it for them. Uh, they would, because uh, white women don't quit, you know, I mean, not that I know of, uh, but uh, they would just go to somebody else. They, they won't be bothered with you. The way I look at it. Anyway, that's my report. Much obliged, uh, retired firefighter. Appreciate the suggestions for our first time caller. Uh, that is three hours. I think I did miss at least one of our emails. I have to get that one uh, for next week. Uh, but I think at least we got all of the folks who. Uh, dial in uh, until justice at gmail.com. Uh, if you uh, are listening, if you're listening live or archives and you have a situation that you want to uh, address until justice at gmail.com, I'll make sure uh, to read uh, the email. I know we missed. Uh, that'll be first one I read for next week, next Friday. Uh, we will be here tomorrow. Uh, the weekly compensatory call in uh, will catch up on news information that went down over the last seven days, uh, so-called uh, remembrance of 9-11 tackiness that went on. They use the word terrorism there. 
Uh, but we'll catch up uh, on what happened over the last seven days, uh, exchange views, suggestions for solving the problem immediately. Drop an email uh, if you have questions. Uh, looking forward to the cows. 2019 10-year anniversary counter-racist yoga retreat in Florida, December 28th to January 1. Email with questions if you need more details. Information is on the blog racism-notes.blogspot.com With that, sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism. Let's preserve our brain computer so that we can crank out solutions to the problem. In addition to being sober, let's be buckled up each and every time we are in a vehicle, passenger or driver. Let's do all that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers badge or know that includes not being on the cell phone. If you are driving, uh, just doing the small things uh, to minimize contact with the Daniel Pantaleos of the world, try to stay as safe as we can under conditions of white terrorism with that creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, no brother. Problem. You're a victim. Yeah, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my condition. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.